It's a beautiful day in the Pyro Hood. A beautiful day for Valverde's. Bottle or can, one for each hand. Won't you drink Valverde's? Won't you drink? Won't you drink? Please, won't you drink Valverde's? Here on ESPN 8, The Ocho, bringing you the finest in seldom seen sports from around the globe since 1999. If it's almost a sport, we've got it here. Podcast episode 26 of the 2015 offseason. This is show 190. 10 more till 200. Awesome stuff, guys. Today we're going to be talking about a bunch of stuff for all your drafts coming up. And we've titled this one Advice for a Glorious Draft Day. It's going to be fantasy football gems, information, some updated news uh, that's happening with rookies and injuries. We're going to kind of just give you the most up to date with a bunch of fantasy goo. As we can. As usual, to the left of me, I got Houdini across the way. I got Stag Party. Dogmatica to the right. Great intro song. You're you're outdoing yourself. <laughs> I'm D Rex. We are Pyromaniac.com and we are fired up to talk about some fantasy football. A lot of people are starting to have drafts. Um, people have drafted in other leagues, but it's really football time. Uh, games are happening. People are getting injured on the field, and obviously, we couldn't be happier to talk about it. So, anything uh, you guys have to say or bring up, or should we just kind of get right into some news and notes and talk about some uh, some happenings around uh, camps? Well, I uh, I don't know. I guess we've redefined Mister Rogers' neighborhood. Uh, it's no longer Green Bay territory. It's Chicago territory, boys. I like it. Was he from? Was he was in, Mr. Rogers was originally from Green Bay area. No, Aaron oh, Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Isn't Mr. Rogers actually from Chicago? I think that whole thing was filmed in Chicago. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, it was. That's that's old Chicago bozo buckets WGN show. Oh yeah, for love sure. it, love it. Right over there in uh, West Loop, they film all that. I stuff. actually went to Bozo Buckets uh, when I was young. I believe it. I believe. Did you get to compete in the grand prize game? No, I didn't, but I do love those fucking clowns. <laughs> I, I keep I'm, mine in the closet. Whenever I'm having a good <laughs> basketball game and my shot's going, I always call it Bozo Buckets, yeah, Buckets, baby. McBuckets, 
Wasn't very often. No. I, was more, I was more of a defender. <laughs> you, you didn't get past bucket number two very often. <laughs> Jerks. Um, all right. Well, let's let's talk. Obviously, there's some new news um, out there for injuries, and that is let's get into it a little bit with Ertz. So Zach Ertz. Um, tell me more about what's happening there with his hernia injury. Well, it's a you know another sports hernia type injury. He went and got an operation from the same doctor as Arian Foster. The thing is, apparently his is in the abdominal section rather than the groin section like Arian Foster's. So he's looking like he's going to be back, uh, you know, early in the season. They're saying they're not scared about him missing week one, but right now his availability is up in the air. You know, it's definitely putting a damper on what we wanted to see from him in preseason. And we've got to pull, pull him back a little bit, pull back the reins on the Zach Ertz. We wanted to see him out there dominating at the point of attack in order to move ahead of a Brent Selleck uh, early in the season. Now it might have to wait until mid-season again. Well, you know, I, to be honest, I'm not so sure that that's, uh, that's going to happen. I think he's actually going to be back for week one. Um, the doctors are actually saying that he'll be fine by the opener. I mean, I know that teams like to play it a little cautiously, but it really wasn't that big of a, a situation for him. Um, it was an easy cleanup, and it wasn't something that uh, you know was totally invasive. It wasn't something that was uh, really going to hurt him down the line. So it was basically just cleaning up, like they, when they go into a knee and just clean up a little uh, bit of stuff. It's it should be no more than a couple weeks. He, I mean, if he if they played fourth, you know, the fourth preseason games that the starters did, he might even be able to make it back for that. So I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, they say he's going to miss the entire preseason. But the advantage of this is now he's a guy that's probably going to slide down people's draft boards when they when they heard about this. So if you haven't had your draft yet, you may be able to wait on him and you can get a, a nice steal yeah. because people are going to be afraid of that injury risk. So. That's a great point. That is a great point. Um, there's a few other guys where uh, the, the, the same thing is going to happen with. I think the next one to talk about is uh, LaShawn McCoy's recent injury. Um, left practice day, he was down on the ground for, for a while, writhing in pain, but it was a, ended up not being that bad. It was a left hamstring in, uh, injury, and from what I could tell, it's, it has nothing to do with like it you know, coming off the bone or anything like that. They said it was totally intact. Um, he'll need some rest. Uh, he won't play again in the preseason, that's for sure. But my guess is, as you were saying, Houdini, he'll probably slide down draft boards a little bit and uh, could possibly be stolen a little bit later. He is going to get an MRI, though. Yes, so he that, is. That always concerns me, you know, because, and again, it is a hamstring, and with hamstrings, you never know the severity. Maybe these MRIs could finally pinpoint it, you know, down to a science. This is, you have a seven week hamstring, you have a three week hamstring. You know, that would be nice to know, because, but uh, I, regardless, he'll just event, you know, if it's minor, they're just going to hold him out now for the rest of the preseason and wait until go time. And again, you're right, it's another guy's slide. MRIs are like Halloween candies, is that they're all over the place. You could pass them out like they're candy at this point. And honestly, I mean, the, the kid. If I mean, if he had eaten a bad bowl of Cheerios, they'd give him an MRI. That's what happens to, today. It's I don't think it's that big of a deal. I mean, is that what happened to uh, Carlos Williams and his, you know, mystery illness, mystery operation? Yeah, that he it was had? a bad bowl I, of Cheerios. I, I don't think anybody on that team is healthy enough to you know carry the ball uh, next preseason game. I mean, they're down Fred Jackson, they're down Lashawn McCoy now, they're down Carlos Williams as of today. 
they've been down Bryce Brown. Booby Dixon's been hurt all preseason. Like, I don't even know where to look on their depth chart for a running back. Like, who's going to carry the ball? What, what day do they play this week? Tell me if you've heard these names before. Bronson Hill and Ricky Seal. Action Bronson made the team? Yeah, actually, yeah absolutely. <laughs> like, Is it, Wasn't Ricky Seal married to uh, Heidi Klum? If, no, yeah. <laughs> how about... Spelled the same way. Don't think it's the same complexion. guy. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like a winner. I don't know about that. Like... I, so, but the point is, even if you're looking for a potential guy to handcuff him with, who's the guy to go to right now? You're like, uh, well, no, uh. I'll tell you who they go all, with. You're all about like just guessing on Stay who's, away who it's going to be. They, they go with the guy in these last, in these next couple of preseason games. They go with the guy who could protect the quarterback the best. Plain and simple. And neither one is going to make the team whoever they're going with. Um, but like I said, I think McCoy, McCoy will be fine. I think that Carlos Williams will end up being fine. Both those guys are going to make the team. Fred Jackson will obviously make the team. Um, I think Bryce Brown's on the verge of getting cut. The guy's still, I mean, whether it's injuries or not, he still can't hold on to the ball. Um, that's, what, that, that's a story. Remember when Houdini drafted him in the draft last week and then talked crap about my team with Jimmy Graham in the fifth round? <laughs> yeah, that was I the only remember. bad pick on that team. I remember. That was the only bad pick on that team, though. <laughs> yeah, it was, a good, it was a great team, yeah, until the Rice Brown. Until the stick. Well, until, right. until my fifth or sixth running back, which won't actually have to, to worry about playing. But hey, hey, hey. That's right. No, no, yeah, that wasn't. We'll, yeah, we'll, that we'll that let the right. survey speak. speak. I have no idea what the results of that are, so. Anyway, we'll see. We'll see. That's about, be let's go to another uh, uh, damaged backfield. I know we've talked about it a lot, but Atlanta, you still now have a preseason game coming up on Friday. Uh, they are currently not sure whether Tevin Coleman or Devonta Freeman is going to be able to play in that game. As of right now, Antoine Smith sat out practice on Monday with the hamstring. With the hamstring, <laughs> but the other two did get back to practice. Yep. But there's still the, the you know latest report, which came out uh, today says that they are still status for, for game is uh, is unsure. So they are they may have come back to practice, but they're coming back in a limited capacity. They're not letting them go full speed. So, again, with these hamstrings and these things butting up and the, both these guys fighting for it, it's, I, I worry whoever, I'd rather be the guy who comes back second at this point in time. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. You don't want to come back too quick from something like that just to prove yourself because you end up, I mean, the, the soft tissue injuries, they end up lingering for a long time. And if you come back too quickly... Um, especially a, a rookie who's pushing himself as hard as he can just to win a job. If I'm Tevin Coleman, I, I would err on the side of caution, uh, to be quite honest. I mean, let Devonta do what he can. They'll see that he's mediocre. Not that Tevin, I think, is anything special either, but uh, I think you just got to let it heal and get it going for that third game. Uh, Kevin White, my boy, I lost the bet, it looks like, to old OC, a little cock knocker. Um, it's too bad. I was excited to see. I was happy with that pick. I know Stags wasn't when we were watching the draft. Like, why are we doing it? Got a rod in his, what, chin or something? Or somewhere in Tibia. his leg. Tibia. Yeah, not, nothing sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, nothing sounds that great. It's so weird, though. He says, like, I could play. So it's a precautionary measure for so that something long-term doesn't happen. But it looks like he's pretty much done for the year. Uh, right? Or is he coming back? No, I mean, they'll put something. him on the PUP, that's for sure. I mean, he won't be back for a while. Um... It depends. I mean, if the Bears are not doing well, I could see him hold them out yeah. for the rest of the year, which is just fine, to be quite honest. You know, being a Bears fan, it's fine with me. I think, personally, listen, I love the guy. I think he's a, a, an incredible talent. But it makes you think, did the, 
the Bears just not do their proper homework because they, a lot of other teams ever? just kept. Can we go back them. and give you the history of the Bears' like medical front office? Yeah. Gabe Karimi with a knee. Uh, Michael Haynes had a knee. Uh, what's the dude's name from uh, the left tackle they drafted Columbo? from v- Vanderbilt? Uh, he Columbo had was Chris Williams. Him. Yeah, Chris yeah. Williams. Chris Williams yeah. had a back injury. Like I don't know if they do medical history on on the Chicago Bears because no. it's quite. Like perplexing what they do. Whoever that guy is, like they should have fired him like five times already. I just saw something on, on television about some uh, guy that was like the, uh, the the head brain doctor or whatever for the Jacksonville Jaguars, who was involved in like a huge scam where he was like stealing tons of money. He was just like telling everybody that they had MS. Like this guy was just like, just I'm sure we the Bears have one of those type of guys going through, uh, through their organization right now. <laughs> wow. So, so <laughs> let's. let's so let's stay. Let's stay with uh, how bad the Bears uh, staff is. Well, we got a calf problem on, on Alshon Jeffrey. You know who's to believe that they said, "Oh, well, the first they were saying it's day to day. Now it's week to week. So now he's going to be held out of most likely, probably the entire preseason. And you hope to have him back for week one." I'm calling Alshon Jeffrey the second coming of, and I really feel confident this is going to be the case. Hakeem Nicks. That guy's done, dude. He's not that good. He had a good flash-in-the-pan moment. He's just not that good. He doesn't have the heart. He doesn't have the work ethic. And I could just see him not getting that big contract. I hope the Bears don't give him that big contract. But he could be out of the league in three years and just never make that big money. He's, he, unless he stays healthy and puts up numbers this year. I mean, he's done it for two years in a row, which is something Hakeem Nicks never did. I mean, over 85 catches for the last two years. Over you know twelve hundred yards. The only thing that really went down last year was the touchdowns. So with no Kevin White on the other side and Eddie Royal not being a great you know red zone threat, Bennett not really being a great red zone threat. I really like Alshon Jeffrey. I'm just a little bit worried about his availability for Week One. Uh, they're doubting it because he was in a cast and a walking boot. But they said the only reason he's in that is because you can't heal a calf injury. You can't heal it. You have Did John Fox you, say that? No, you have to. No, that's what the doctors said. You yeah. have not their doctors, like real doctors. No, I understand. <laughs> You're stabilizing it just to protect it. I understand, but the problem is going to be is that he is now going to be the de facto number one. He's going to have no protection out there for him, and he's going to he's going to be in a world of hurt because again, like D Rex said, I don't think he's got the heart and the, and the makeup to overcome those obstacles with hard work. Systems make systems. players. Yeah. Period. Different systems. It's not the same system. You two guys catch over eighty-five balls in a Tressman system. That's why Steve Smith's going to rock house this year. Period. That's why whoever lines up on the opposite side of him, whether it's uh, Perriman who is getting over his own injury or not, uh, those guys are going to rock the house this year. P- plain and simple. It's the system. Uh, without that system playing for Jeffrey, I just don't see it. Is he really going to be able to beat double coverage? I don't think so. He's not fast enough. He doesn't have the tools enough. Don't don't give me that he's done it the last couple of years because, like I said, anybody could do it in that system. Yeah, and they have. Right. So Gase runs a very good system for number ones. Demarius Thomas has averaged, what, 110 catches? If you, call Je- if you call Jeffrey even on the, the, the same planet as Demarius Thomas... Uh, we're going to have words. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just think you guys, everybody underestimates Jeffrey this season. I think he's got one more in him, and if he leaves Chicago after that, so be it. Okay, but the thing, the thing is, he's going to be a good, a, a good fantasy wide receiver for you this season. He's going to be right on the fringe of top ten wide receiver numbers, like he has been for the last two years. 
That would be so, yeah. You, Pepper you, with targets. You know what? Yeah, exactly. That's what DeAndre it, top, he, DeAndre Hopkins and Alshon Jeffrey. Exactly. What's the difference? Those two are going to be peppered, and that's fine. But the th- the problem is that Hopkins at least has four four and a half speed, four 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 and a half speed, and he's got great footwork, um, and he's got good hands. Jeffrey has good hands. Jeffrey has good hands, but he's got what? What is he? Four six four uh, forty. You know, I mean, and he can't separate from a double team, that's for sure. And nobody's going to be worrying that much about Eddie Worrell, even though Eddie Worrell's good. I mean, they're not going to be worrying that much about him. It's not like Brandon Marshall's on the other side anymore and Kevin White's up. So I, I'm just, I'm a little skeptical. It, 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 it hurts him, these injuries and the change of system. Of course, you'll still be you in a legal sense, but think of it as a thinner, more attractive, better you than you could ever become without us. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk, let's talk about any other injuries you want to talk about. Is there anything you want to say about Perriman? Is there anything serious there? Is any no? Let's it's put out just some quick I mean, important injuries, and then we can get on to some other being a, fantasy goo. Being a rookie, it's it's tough to miss that much time when you're vying for a starting spot. Um, when they have a couple guys there, you know, like Marlon Brown or Kamari Aiken, who have who've been there a little bit and know what they're doing, it's just it's tough as a rookie to miss that much time. Uh, which has now been, uh, you know, what a couple, at least a couple weeks, few weeks or something like that, uh, where he's just not gotten in there and, and uh, gotten a handle of all the offense. That's the biggest thing coming from college into the pros is learning um, how to play pro ball. There's just, I mean, the, all the different language and the different schemes. I mean, everything in college is so much different. You miss out on that learning time, and it puts you behind the eight ball. It really does, and that's that's a big problem there. Another injury I wouldn't mind talking about, unless you did you have something to say on no, Perriman? Oh, or, no, I had another injury. Uh, yeah, Niles Paul okay. uh, going down for the year. I think that that is a big deal as well. Um, they are left with nothing because Logan Paulson, uh, who is their blocking slash you know third tight end, whatever, was, actually could play a little bit if they really needed. He's out for the year as well. So what they're depending on is a guy who... Um, I, I, like, I don't even know what to say about Jordan Reed. I hate that mother uh, so much. I, I, I cannot stand that guy. Um, that guy cannot stay on the field for more than three games at a time, and he won't be on the field for more than six games this year. I guarantee it. But they're depending on him. Um, what's his name? Uh, the, their old, uh, their old, their, their tight end from a few years Cooley? ago. Cooley, Chris, Chris Cooley, Cooley is back. begging to come back. And I'm thinking, I know that they said they aren't considering it, but I think as soon as, I mean, Jordan Reed is still hurt right now with a hamstring injury of his own, another one. If it gets to be into week three and Jordan Reed still can't play, that might actually go after Chris Cooley, uh, which is a little scary. All right, well, let me give you a, a name of a guy that's been moving up a lot of guys' draft charts who just had arthroscopic knee surgery on last Friday, uh, C.J. Spiller. Mm-hmm. So now he's going to miss the rest of the preseason. He's expected to return for week one, but, you know, what does that do? Hey, hey, Mark Ingram, looking pretty good. Looking pretty good. <laughs> I don't know. That just means Mark Ingram can now have it when the games count. I like it. No, it looks good. It looks good for you. But there's a lot of people that have already drafted in Spiller. I mean, I feel like he could be awesome, but he isn't is he, overdrafted. And his, he's, he his guy, ADP is way too high. Isn't he a guy, too, that with, you know, Possible risks of re-injury and stuff. I mean, he hasn't proved that he's, uh, you know, not a brittle guy. So, yeah. you know, I, you worry now as far as like where you actually want to, where do you want to draft him? If you still have your draft coming up, I mean, I think I slot him down now uh, a few slots just, just because. Well, let's uh, any other injury stuff. Yeah, yeah, I, I, there's I a ton. Okay, T-J, there is. T-J, let's go, T-J, let's go, T-J Anderson. Let's go, let's go briefly. Okay, T- C.J. Anderson. Go ahead. 
TJ Yeldon's got a finger. Yep. Uh, he hasn't you know, practiced in the last couple weeks or so. CJ Anderson limped off the field. But the thing is, what they say? Uh, it's, it's not a big deal. It, it's <laughs> not significant. Um, it was just a mere tweak. I, I'm, not, I'm not so worried about that one. Uh, but there's, I mean, there's definitely. Here's the part I like about that, though, is he tweaks his ankle and they just straight up hold him up. What makes me think about that is he's the man. CJ yeah. Anderson is the man in the backfield, yeah. and they'll let the other guys, you know, take the pounding in the preseason. Which is which is the right way to do it, to be quite honest. Uh, they should do that, and that's what all teams should do, and that's what they are doing. All these minor little injuries are really not a big deal. They're just making sure that their known starters are able to be ready for that initial first game. It's a tough, long season, and you got guys getting bigger and bigger. And we've mentioned this over the last few years. You're talking about, I mean. 270 pound linebackers now coming after your ass at 4-4 speed. That's a that's a bummer. <laughs> you know, I mean, I wouldn't want to do that with a tweaked ankle. I'll tell you that. I wouldn't want to be running into something like that with a tweaked tweaked ankle. Uh, another one, Joy Bell still hasn't gotten back in the field. Amir, Amir Abdullah is is uh, you know as everybody else jumping on his jock, rocking the town, and I mean we could we could jump on it too, but we're not going. To. I, I, I love the kid, but we'll see what happens. He's still a rookie. We'll we'll see what happens there. It's preseason. Um, One thing I'll say, if you're hearing a weird sound in the background, there's a major thunderstorm going on around us. It's kind of cool. Daisy's upstairs flipping out. Yeah, hiding under the desk. Hey, for at least, sure. At least maybe we'll, maybe we'll have it pass right over and we'll get the lightning crash and the big, big boom. Could happen. Yeah. And then there's the David Johnson uh, hamstring injury, mm-hmm. which has you know, already caused a ripple effect, already caused them to go out and sign a Chris Johnson to a one year deal. And, and then, you know, very incentive laden uh, one year deal at that. Yeah, uh, he signed for the veterans minimum and. He needs to run for 1,300 12, 12 or 1,300 <laughs> yards and make the Pro Bowl to get the two million, which is still nothing. Basically, so basically he's getting he's days. getting no he's not getting paid because he's basically there to be the early season backup to Andre Ellington. Yeah, uh, well, or is he there to give him a shot to to, to be the guy? I mean, if they're, he, if, he's they're not. if they're laying that contract out to him, I mean, do you, do you think he has to look the the coach in the eye beforehand and say, do I? Am I going to be given at least a shot to do this? You know, am I at least going to be able to be like the starter for at least two weeks before you decide to pull the plug on it? No. I'm just going to throw out some more injuries real quick and then we'll be done with it. All right. Uh, it looks like Michael Floyd is progressing nicely. He'll be back uh, for week one. It's, it's, gone, it's gone pretty well there. Uh, you got, uh, not that the, the Browns matter all that much, but... Dwayne Bowe is sidelined with a hamstring injury. You got uh, Des Bryant still sidelined with a, a hamstring injury. That's gonna, I don't know, that that won't be all that much of a, a big deal. They're just keeping out for precautionary reasons. Emmanuel Sanders is sidelined with a hamstring injury. By the way, the word of the day: hamstring. hamstring. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, it's just, I mean, they're all over the place, and it, you know, it's all it takes is a little tweak, and and you're out for three weeks. This is preseason. I wouldn't worry about it. It's my least favorite word of the preseason. Yeah, hamstring. Whenever, whenever, with all my dynasty teams, all I do is when I, I check the homepage, check my player news. No hamstrings. No hamstrings. No hamstrings. No hamstrings. Yeah. How about somebody finally <laughs> returned from missing all the times? Uh, Kenny Stills returned to the field from his calf injury, so he's back out there practicing, and has been electric. Yeah. Uh, oogie, 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 oogie. 
Dante Moncrief out with a groin right now. Uh, Julius Thomas sidelined with a, a bit of a hand injury. He's out for the entire preseason yeah. and possibly more. Yeah, I, you know what? He's got that big bulky cast on, but as soon as they take the cast off, I'm really not worried about it. He should be fine. Um, from what he says, actually, he doesn't feel that much pain in it, but you never know with stuff like that. And wins in a shocking upset. I feel shocked. <laughs> Not uh, shocked at all. Julian Edelman uh, is still out, as far as I know right now. Brandon LaFell. Um, Tom Brady decided not to go to court. Uh, yeah, whatever. You hear, you hear the one guy that did the Tom Brady, that sketch that uh, was breaking the internet? You see the sketch of him oh, looking like terrible. a weird-looking like serial killer? Uh, <laughs> the guy, the, the courthouse sketch artist, has been offered... like. Big money for that drawing. Hasn't decided uh, yet. If I was Brady, I would buy that thing off him and put it up right over my mantelpiece, like the ugliest picture <laughs> ever of you. Like Kramer had of him, you know. Yeah. <laughs> hey, maybe he could get uh, some plastic surgery like his wife. Ooh, you guys hear about that? No. Giselle? She got a lot of plastic surgery. She went out and because she thought, she's what, 35, I think, maybe 34, 35? She went out and got um, her eyes done, her nose, uh, so, something to do with her nose, and her boobs lifted. Nice. Because she thought they were sagging a little bit. At, th- at 35, and you're a supermodel, and any woman in the world would kill to have your body, and you go and get it done? She makes more money than anybody in the industry. She's got to keep making that money. Make <laughs> my money, money, money. Make money, money. I'll take a look at some pictures. Ruben Randall, <laughs> Julian Edelman. Uh, it's, What's Edelman got? Hamstring. Yeah, it's. Jeez. I mean, he'll. He's stayed a day at this point. He should be back soon. Um, I mean, the the Jets just signed uh, Matt Flynn as a camp body just because the the Geno Smith ordeal. Uh, we already mentioned Ertz. Who else is in there? I, I, I mean, it's they're all over the place, obviously, but they're very minor injuries. Most of them. If there's a major injury, we'll give it to you and we'll, and we'll tell you about it. But that's pretty much the uh, the gist of it. All right. Well, because this show is, you know, advice for a glorious draft day, I think what we should do is something, you know, take a few components and hopefully we don't repeat too many of them, but, and the ring. Uh, but let's talk about some draft day kind of strategies, some, some interesting approaches that, um, that, that, that we want to take for this year's draft. It might be different from before. Uh, dog, your draft strategy has been put on the site last week. Stags is a while ago. Houdini's is going to be up on the site tomorrow. And uh, I got to get mine done by the weekend. So mine will be up. Uh, but I do have a lot of thoughts on it, and I'll go first on, on what, um, what one of the main points I'm rolling into this year. No matter what, even if I'm in 12 league or 14 league, I am not taking a quarterback in the first round. It looks good after you, the first running backs go, and, it, you know, and you've got Dez or Julio or whoever else you love off the board to really at that end of that first round. I mean, even the beginning, I'm not doing it to grab that Aaron Rodgers or that uh, Andrew Luck. I'm not going that route this year. I'm, there's too much value in every mock we've done. We've done two quarterback leagues and super flex leagues and expert leagues that literally we're still able to get in those unbelievable value with our second quarterback and guys like a Bradford, guys like uh, Eli, I think e- we got Eli Lates, you know, 
it's amazing how late you could even get a lot of players. So I'm not going. I'm not taking. We took Andrew Luck in that one league. It was the first pick of the third round. I think that's my barometer. As early as I would go on one of those stud elite, um, and there's only two of them: Lucker, Aaron Rodgers, Mister Rodgers, as you, you referred to him before. Um, so that's that's one of mine that it's just I'm, I'm holding suit. I try to be fluid. I try not to go on with something predetermined, but I'm predetermined. I ain't grabbing a uh, quarterback. The fact that matters is that according to ADPs, I mean, you can get Matt Ryan, Tony Romo, uh, Cam Newton in you know the sixth, seventh round almost. Um, I mean, and the same thing. And I'm going to imagine the same thing here. I mean, I know that there's. A couple of tight ends out there that might be worth it, and I know that Staggs will maybe th- throw his two cents in on this, but when you can get Zach Ertz or Jordan Cameron in the ninth round, why in the world would you take somebody like a, a Gronk or Jimmy Graham or whatever five rounds earlier, four, five, six rounds earlier, and only get 40 more fantasy points? 40 at most more fantasy points out of those guys. Maybe 50. You're talking about two, two, three points a week. You rolling a booger over there, McConaughey style? It's one of those working principles. No, it's where, it's, it's a nail. Uh, you told me not to bite my nails. It makes too much Dog bites noise. his nails, and then he sits and he rubs them like so boogers between his fingers <laughs> on the show. <laughs> I mean, no, Gronk's it, such a big difference maker that it's like, yeah, you know, what? Last year it was what, like sixty points over the field. Yeah, no, and that was even that was even with Gates scoring twelve touchdowns, which he won't do again. No, but, and other guys like Julius Thomas getting that twelve number. I mean, how many t- tight ends in the league this season do you think can get to ten touchdowns? Uh, you know, two is it Gronk and Graham, and that's about it. Uh, it's, it's, you never know when it comes to the tight end position. There, it's growing in every offense. The tight end position. So to, to try and predict that, I would not have called uh, Gates's twelve last yeah. year. That's for sure. Um, I mean, what Martellus Bennett did with his catches. I mean, you never know. This, that, that sort of stuff pops up out of nowhere. But that's the point. Is that I mean, yeah, there may be a sure thing like a Gronk who is basically a wide receiver in your lineup. He's I your wide receiver that. one. Exactly. I understand yeah. that, and that's fine. But besides Gronk, and even then, I'm not sure I would. I mean, is he really a wide receiver one? Not really. Wide receiver two? Right at at, at at 11 or 12. But I'm not going to jump into the first round to grab it. Did you like that team that you did that in the mock last week? I don't know. Everybody keeps hammering on it. No, I'm asking you. you. I liked it just fine. The thing is, there's different ways to build a team, right? Houdini, unlike, talked about how my running back two sucks. That's great. I'll, I'll mix and match. But my tight end is so much better than yours. My t- my running back two doesn't have to score as much as yours. My running back two doesn't have to beat your running back two every week. My team has to beat your team, right? The, there's different ways to build a team. And you're just trying to get the most potential points. Uh, and I think at, in the second round with the other guys on the board, Gronk gave me the best chance to do that. And I, I definitely would not go that route uh, normally. And then... Uh, on the second team, I drafted a Jimmy Graham. I drafted well, hold on, him. But part of the other reason why I didn't like that team and why you you counteracted your whole advantage of Gronkowski is that you drafted Kelsey. Oh, I created a surplus. I understand, I but, compare- but, then, but then you're counting on your major point production coming from tight ends where the top tight ends are going to score you. Gronkowski can, 
He scored 184 points last year. When he had his ridiculous season, he scored 224. So on that season, he scored like a wide receiver. But otherwise, all the other tight ends are scoring 150, 140. So if you're talking about chasing the points, I think you could have chased the point for getting a better running back there or you know, or improving your team that way. You, got, you guys not, took you, so many running backs. You, had Gronkowski, you don't need to worry about going for the True, other the types. value wasn't there. You're right. I just want, I wonder with Gronk this year, what happens if Brady is gone for four games? I mean, not that, like I said, I do believe in the system that is the Patriots, but Brady does latch on to him quite a bit, and I don't know if Garoppolo would do the same thing. And from what I saw from Garoppolo in that first preseason game, not very good. He just doesn't have that same kind of accuracy that Brady does in within the first 10 yards of passing. Um, we'll see what happens. Gronk is definitely a, a thought. If, if he drops to the second... Maybe the value's there. In the first, no. I mean, last season he finished 10th in standard scoring. He's more valuable in standard scoring. He's also a point differentiator at a position. Uh, he, you're, when you're doing your rankings during the season, Doug, there's pretty much every week Gronk is going to be number one. True. Gronk's going to be number one. And you just know that going in. And I don't really have to worry about it. And then, you know, getting Kelsey in the sixth round where I like him, with the flex league, where I think he catches more passes than anybody left on the board at the time, I think it was well worth it. Uh, you know, he scored 110 points last season, um, and I think he's going to do better than that this season. Uh, and 110 will put him right about, you know, wide receiver 30. All right. Well, we're always talking about building teams and how we make the best fantasy football decisions to build these teams. I am personally building a belly. And I build it with burgers sometimes, a little too many duck fat or beef fat fries. Today I ate some Asian food, but usually it's a lot of Bell Verdes. Because here at Globo Gym, we're better than you, and we know it. <laughs> that was perfect. I haven't seen you for a while, Globo Gym. It's been a while. I will tell you, though. Um... That's another thing. That, I mean, we were talking about uh, draft day strategies and stuff like that. Obviously, uh, that's one of mine. I'm going to stay away from QBs and tight ends, basically. There's just too much talent at those two positions at this point. I know that Luck and Rodgers are a little bit above, and I know that Gronk is a little bit above, or a lot of bit above. But if, I, if, if I'm building a team, I want to build those running backs and wide receivers, and almost especially the wide receivers, uh, because I think that a lot of the talent that you're going to get at the running backs – are almost in backups. I think that if you get one or two really good running backs to, st to start with, then you build the wide receivers, and you build them for a bunch of rounds. And then the whole last party, I think it's all the secondary running backs. There's so many injuries nowadays that there's going to be about five or six backup running backs that pay off huge dividends at the end of the year. You can look at it in all the stats. There's always going to be five or six that you just had no idea just came out of nowhere that are going to make your team go over the top. And that's, uh, I think it's a for sure thing nowadays with all the injuries that happened. Quickly, think about last year. C.J. Anderson got his chance. Hillman got his chance. Ball didn't get his chance. This year, C.J.'s the man. Ball's available super, super late. Uh, Hillman basically goes undrafted. Uh, he's one of those last guys. I love those those players on that team. Why could if Hill, something bad happens to Hillman, those other guys are just going to get slotted right in and they play. They've, they've they've done something. I mean, you pretty much you have to get those running backs early. If you don't get them early, it's almost like a guessing game. Betting on the other side of the committee, taking the Lamar Miller types. 
you know, taking the four set types who are, you know, backing up a real highly drafted guy who, you know, a, you know, got a couple first round picks are going to bust. So you got to look for those guys. You got to look for those opportunities. But, you know, in honesty, like those seven through 12 running backs, they usually don't provide you much value. They're just the there. The seventh round through 12th round? Yeah, they're just um, there. I'll tell you who I got in the seventh round through 12th round last year. Uh, Ahmad Bradshaw, which paid huge dividends for me at a, at a certain period of time. I think very beginning of the season, first yeah. four games, right? Yeah, and he, no, even longer than that. He was amazing. He was like the first eight games, seven, okay. seven or eight okay. games. Uh, then he went down to injury. Um, Isaiah Crowell w- w- was right there. Andre Williams was a guy that nobody was going to. Joey Bell was a guy that was uh, that slipping down to, uh, to a, a point like that. Uh, th- those are the type of guys that you can get if you search and look hard enough. You're going to find them there. You've got to find the right situations. Yeah, you got to find the right situation, obviously, and that's that's where we come in. Uh, that's where our draft kit comes in. That's where our podcasts come in. Uh, we'll do the research for you. That's fine. But that's where you got to find that talent because those are the most important rounds of the draft. That's 7 through 12. Everybody's going to get studs in the first few rounds. Some people will make stupid choices with their studs. Some people will mix and match correctly. Some won't. But it's 7 through 12 where you make the biggest difference. Like Jeremy Hill was a ninth round pick in the league last year. So, um, yeah, there, there's plenty of talent out there. I'm, I'm gonna. My strategy is it's similar to what you guys are all saying because I look at my tiers and I'm gonna kind of use my tiers to explain it because it's all gonna depend on where I where I'm drafting from. Because in my, um, in, in my in one league that's a redraft, but we get every team gets to keep three players. I have the first pick, so it's just a matter of okay, well filling out based on what my team has and what's the best of what's left. But in a standard, no players taken, my draft, I have no idea. We draw it 30 minutes before the draft, so I have to have a strategy for each position where I'm at. When I look at the running backs, where, yeah, I, I would say maybe through the top four, you know, the Peterson, Le'Veon Bell, um, Jamal Charles, Eddie Lacy, I, I'd call those my top two tiers. If I'm in the top four picks, I think I, I kind of pretty much have to take one of those running backs just because of the propensity for a running back to be able to score closer to 300 points where no wide receiver has sniffed it. But if I do that, then I'm so concentrating on stacking my wide receivers where I I, don't, I need to have of my wide receivers that are ranked 9 through 20, I need to have at least two, if not three, wide receivers that are in that grouping to pair with that running back. And ideally, I'd rather be in a situation like you're saying. I'd rather, that's why I want to be middle of the draft or later in the draft. So that way I can at least have, I want to have either Dez, Julio, Antonio, Demarius, Odell, Calvin, Evans. One of those guys is my number one, if it need be, named Jordy. And then after that, add in and have like my worst wide receiver be like the 18th on my tiers. And I always love how my team looks when I have that stacked in wide receivers because then we also know. And, and, and D-Rex is used to know that you're very good at predicting the wide receivers. There's a lot of talent that's in wide receivers 20 Five through fifty-five. Oh yeah. So yeah. now you're stacking your bench with those guys, and but I'll also spend. I, I can wait. I can I can wait three rounds where I'm going to go running back, running back, running back, and I can still wait and get like you're saying at the worst case a Tony Romo or something at quarterback yeah. and, and and survive. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, there's going to be between the fifty to eighty at wide receivers, maybe even ninety. There's going to be a handful of wide receivers in that zone. That hit this year and that are better than other wide receivers that are getting taken in the fourth, fifth round. Uh, happens every year. So I think 
No, go go after who you like. I think something that you always that I know and we experienced, and uh, Justin Height in the mock draft was saying this on our show. And listen to the last show we did. It was a mock draft, twelve team PPR. It was a good show, very good show. And I think when he was saying that, it was like, oh, I think I realized from drafting with you guys that if you love a guy, you got to go grab him. You got to go high on a Cooks in in a draft if I love him like I do because if you wait that bit, somebody else is going to grab him a, a little bit later. You got to go high on. I went high on Ertz and it was my second um, tight end. You got it in those later rounds, and obviously Cooks isn't a later round guy, but later rounds sometimes draft a guy two rounds before you think his value is because you want him. You 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 think that that guy could be the one that hits, and don't be scared to do your team and grab the guys. At that point, everybody's tears and everybody who everybody wants is so far off. Whenever we do these drafts, there's usually two or three picks per round where it's like, that guy's on my radar. Usually it's like, that guy's nowhere near it. And that, that doesn't make you wrong or me right, but we just don't feel the same way at this juncture. I know what you're talking about. This always happens. I wasn't looking you, at you personally. Yeah, <laughs> you're talking about like your Brandon Cooks and you have your love for Brandon Cooks. You then pictured in your mind, okay, in my draft... He shouldn't go until the fourth round, so I'm I'm gonna grab him and you know oh okay I'm here I, I can wait and I can grab him or he's, I, we, you think he's gonna be a fifth round so I can yeah. grab him in the fourth round. You probably should grab him in the third round if you feel that highly about him. If you're if you're already trying to measure in your head wherever else he's a third rounder him, now because what invariably oh, yeah. happens is you don't get him and then you sit there and you're kicking yourself in the ass going. Oh, why? Well, and I'm not that much happier with the guy I drafted in the round ahead of him. Well, the thing that you, do, your guy, that you're going after is Evans. And it's, I, lo- I love Evans too. I think we all love Evans. I'm very, very high on that guy. But you're going, you're grabbing him at the end of the second round, right? Mm-hmm. If he's available in the third round, you're jumping on him in a minute. That's the guy you want. I don't. I think that's still good value there. But as you move on in drafts as well, don't be afraid. If you think, wow, most people are going to be. Even I did it with Amari Cooper. You know who. Seeing his preseason, that first drive, they gave him a friggin' reverse. Yeah, they did. <laughs> the they first did. play of the game was like, all right, let's just get one to two here. They are going to give this guy so many targets, touches, and looks. It's going to be insane. I think Jones uh, had like, what, 111 there? So uh, now I'm on board. He, uh, he's going to have everyone's like, 160. Yeah, 160 everyone's going to be like, this season's a little early. I'm like, really? I just think these targets are going to be amazing. I love them. I went early on them. Is the Should touchdowns going to be amazing? I don't know. I don't know. But it's uh, PPR, it was PPR League. Five, maybe. I, I like seven more than yeah, I, like I like five. I like seven more than I like five. But that's not true. Let's talk about differently know, later in the rounds. I think in general, well, in general, it, I'm just saying, don't be afraid to go and put your stamp on and say, everyone else might look at me like, that was early. Like, fuck off. Well, I don't care. I'll talk to you at the end of the season. I got one, real quick. I got, I got two things to say. One's a question for you, Houdini. Mm-hmm. If you're in a 10-man draft and you're drafting ninth or 10th and you really want Mike Evans, you're not going to get him. Are you upset about that? Is that something that's... I mean, because he's going to go before he comes back to you in the third. No, because then, then maybe he's the guy that I'm taking on the wraparounder, you know? So, you know... I mean, do you take him at uh, 12th? Not, I may, you know, I may not because I still also have love affairs with T.Y. Hilton and other guys that I think might come back to me. So it's just a matter of... You know what it is? And this is where it's... Um, Dynasty helps to, 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 to lessen the blow is because... When I have Mike Evans in another league, I want to, I love to have when I have like the best player who I think is going to have an amazing year. I want to have him in every league. Uh, so, if I already have him, that's fine. But if I didn't have him in any league, 
Yeah, it would piss me off. So you don't diversify your portfolios across leagues? Basically, you're all in. They all sync. They're all synced together. No, that's why he's got to play FanDuel and diversify there. No, 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 no. It's, it's not that they're all the same. It's that there are certain elements and pieces. So at the most I've ever had is a, you know, most players are the same on from one team to another was like five players, but that's including bench players. So Stag know. Party, just so you know, listeners, he really wants to open this Jolly Rancher, but it's so loud. So Stag Party, we're just going to let the audience know this is Anthony Staggs, a.k.a. the Stag Party, opening a Jolly Rancher on the show. And I think he has a new nickname now. Put it in there, buddy. Don't chew it. Don't chew it. I was waiting not... for him to Valverde, and I was going to go simultaneously. No. I, I, you know what? You earned your Valverde. This is set from Videorama. The following DVDs are now overdue. Drunken Hussies 3, Backdoor Patrol 5, and Mona Lisa Smile. Thank you. And I'll say, Valverde. Well, you are very attractive for a banker. Thank you. I'm not a banker. I'm a lawyer. Really? And what kind of law are you involved in, Pretty Eyes? Sexual harassment, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, the other thing that I was going to say is, I know that losing Phil Holt, uh, Lodeholt was a huge loss for Adrian Peterson. Um, losing that, le- that tackle is uh, that blocking, great run-blocking tackle on the right side. That's a big loss for him. But I still love AP this year. What I was going to say is D-Rex... Um, we are in a 10-man league together, and we just drew to find out where we are in the draft. I think D-Rex was 8th, and I uh, got 10th. So the funny thing is, is that I talked to the rest of the league when we were drawing names and drawing, uh, drawing the positions and stuff. And from what it sounds like, AP is going to drop, and he may even get, I shit you not, 2-8. And that's like the, the, how different it is in every single league, knowing just, I know the guys in our league, and I know they're not fans of AP. I, I mean, and, I mean that could happen for you, Give me, give me, give me. No better story about that whole draft is, weren't you the one that said, someone was like, hey, let's do descending order like we've always done? Yeah. And Dog's like, no, let's change it up. Let's do ascent. No, no, no. Opposite. opposite? Okay. opposite. I wanted to do it 10 down to 1, and they wanted to do it 1 to 10. Like, no. It's always 10 to 1. That's the best way to do it. It's the best suspense to find out who's won at the end. I agree. Okay, they want to do yeah, one. Yeah, absolutely. Dog got 10, not 1. But yeah, so I, and I got 10, not 1. Not that I really care. I'm okay with 10 this year. Like I said, I'm actually good at the end of the draft this year. Uh, so I was actually happy. So who you ta- who you taking in those first two rounds this year? Yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I like the idea of doing it like in reverse order like that. But like in our league, we have the uh, I have like a bingo hopper. And so I would put 12 bingo balls in. Whenever guys come in, I have a, like a, the, the, the whole big hopper of like 100 balls. And they just pick which number they want. And so put your lucky number in there. And then we go through it and spin it around. And then as they come out, that's the order. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, but, but starting so from one? So no, no, one no. first? So whatever, no, it's bingo balls. So the numbers are, could be, you know, you pick whatever number you want. So when B44 comes out, if that represented you and that was the first one, you have the first pick. Okay, so you're doing it ascending. Yeah. Okay. Do you have the first pick of picks or do you have the first pick See, of the draft? That's, that's one thing that I actually want to, was, was kind of interested in bringing up as a, as a rule change to, uh, to that league this year, uh, is to do, instead of just being pigeonholed into where you are, 
let you have choice of where you pit based on that's on pretty the, sick. The order. You can so do that. If you got the I, I, th I have a feeling I'm gonna I'm actually gonna propose that uh, in a poll. I, I think I'll be able to get that approved. I did two polls today for our rules, and the guy, the commissioner who's got all these stupid rules that he wants to do, through like 25 new rules that haven't been discussed on any of the emails. Kind of annoying. I posted to Facebook today a story uh, from Deadspin that was how to have uh, people in your league, how to be a commissioner and not have your league hate you. So listen to that one. Kind of a funny little, funny little piece. But... Uh, Houdini's probably hated by a lot of his. Uh, Actually, I'm kidding. I always say it, and you always get defensive. I one think league, one league. There's one league where we always get people that question all the rules. So this year it actually happened because uh, we were conducting our, our rookie draft, and so the guy was trying to draft uh, Duran um, Carter, and he goes, "Well, he's he's a rookie." I go, "No." He go, "He he was eligible for the draft in 2013. He spent the last two years with the Montreal LOS." And he goes. Well, no, no, but he's still a rookie. They're quoting like baseball stuff, and then, of course, we have a constitution. Does yeah. the guy look at the constitution? Well, does it say it in the constitution? So I go back to the constitution. Yeah. I reference it. I boldface it. Had to play in college the year before. Had to be el and had to be eligible for the draft or drafted. So smart. Hmm. Stags, you got any uh, little dealios and draft days strategies that that you're into that we haven't heard before, or maybe we have? Jolly Ranchers. <laughs> Secret sauce. <laughs> no, but I usually like to leave the first six rounds with three running backs. Uh, I want to get as much depth there as early as possible. Basically, the running backs who score the most are usually highly drafted. And, you know, you're going to have a few surprises, but the guys you think are going to get the most touches score the most. Uh the guys at running back, you know, the guys who get the most, most touches just score the most. So guys you think who are going to have huge workloads are going to be the guys that, you know, typically have huge we workloads. Got we got until it. they break down. <laughs> I was saying it in a different way. So, you know, you draft them early and you draft a lot of them. And, you know, I usually like to get one in the first round. And then I like a, you know, wide receiver, wide receiver mix. At this point, you know, depending on where I'm drafting, it's usually running back, wide receiver, wide receiver. But that's just me, just me, just me, me. This season, that's how I make up of my team the most. Uh, at the beginning, it works well when you get like an AP, and then you get, you know, you know, depending on how many people are in your league, an AJ Green and a Mike Evans. But I want to have AJ Green and a Mike Evans talk with you guys because I think you're all high. Yeah, you really like AJ Green. I don't like him nearly as much as you do. I, I know he's a sick talent. Oh, the I, situation. Definitely, I definitely have Green over Evans, um, especially when you're looking at. The, I hate to say it, but James Winston looks terrible. It was a bad. It was it was, <laughs> it was a rough first outing, but they let him they let him play through because he, he was how many incompletions was it to start? Was it like, yeah, uh, yeah, I think he started off like two two and nine, and those two came. <laughs> Mark first. Sanchez like numbers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ugh. I think. Can I ask you a question though, to go back quickly to um, Stags' uh, approach there? So you're going a running back with that first, and then you're usually going wide receiver, wide receiver. So that basically means uh, your next two picks, no matter what, are going to be running backs after that, huh? If you're trying to come out with three running backs in your first five picks, six for six, six picks. picks. So when you've been drafting lately, have you been finding yourself being willing to go to a third wide receiver with that Sometimes. fourth pick, especially in PPR? Yeah. 
It's value. It's value based. If if the value's there, you you gotta grab it with that fourth pick. I mean, it's. And I mean, I, I, who are you liking in the fourth round? I think we've all I, I like up. I like Jonathan Stewart a lot more than most people in the fourth round. Oh, I, I could like tip, I could typically get him there pretty much every time. I like Latavius Murray more than I like most people. Uh, Miller so, or Murray? Who do you like more? Oh, Miller by far. Got it. Yeah, Miller, Miller is a sure. He's just. He's really jumped up my boards, to be quite honest. Is he a third rounder these days, or yeah. is he still a fourth rounder? Solidly in the third. Okay. Solidly in the third, yeah. Uh, but he's one of those guys well, that has that the potential to actually vault up from where he's been because he does have the big playability. He did run to have a 97-yard touchdown run last year. Yeah. So, uh, and, and plus, he's you know this is a guy who's been talking up his own game for so long, and the first preseason game against the Bears, now granted, it is the Bears he played against. He looked really sharp. For me, I kind of agree with Stags. That's the reason yeah. why I want to get uh, one of those running backs in that first round and kind of maybe go with the, the, the wide receivers in the next two because then I don't have to be sitting on my team with Miller if I'm doing wide receiver, wide receiver as my number one because I'm not liking a team that's got that's got Lamar Miller as my number one wide receiver. I get it. And I really am like even even a McCoy or something without the news. Holy crap. Right. <laughs> that is, that is, that is <laughs> out there. They're like, this audio is terrible on this podcast. <laughs> Sounds like analog, bro. Only is God. We got this room. It's God made it. We, we can't. You want to pay for the soundproof room? room. Here's the address. <laughs> Send a check too. Um, the, the, the beauty is, is that there are, in my eyes, there are ten RB ones, and hopefully you only play in a 10, 10 man league. I mean, if it's a twelve man league and it just so happens that all ten of them go and you're the eleventh or twelfth pick, you're fucked. Sorry, but I mean that's why I like. Then 10 you go wide receiver, wide receiver. Then you go wide receiver, wide receiver. Exactly, and, and you roll the dice with running backs later or but that, whatever. But I'm gonna tell you what. But that's why because of my like my my Desbian love and, and also my Julio. Again, give me do with Julio. JJ. Uh, for my JJ Fish that I, that I need to, that I need to have. Um, Juliolian. Juliolian, yeah. Uh, it, was, it was tough. I want to have one of them, so I would rather draft them, and then I'm hoping that I get one of those top ten running backs to come back to me. But if it doesn't, I'm easily because uh, I would grab one of them if they do in round two. But I'm not going to pass up on Julio or Dez to grab the fifth or sixth running back. It's where where does that cutout start for you, though? Which running back can you not pass up at five or six? So so it's it's the ones I mentioned. Before. Well, you had so your it's, four. It's, it's Adrian Peterson, Le'Veon Bell. Um, Jamal Charles and, and Eddie Lacy. So C.J. Anderson's not close to that list. Marshall no, Lynch. No, those, those guys. Those are the okay. other two that I would consider. I would consider them both above Lacy, to be quite honest. But and I would be much happy my, with with my predicting Lynch as a bust if I'm going to draft him in the first round. I, I must be out of my damn mind. And I'm just going <laughs> to. I'm actually then putting the absolute hex on him that he will be a bust. I prefer not to have Lynch. I'd rather be C.J. Anderson. Um, me too. I'd but. rather be be for me be Jeremy Hill. But I feel that I can get Jeremy Hill a little bit later on. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. This. I don't know. The, the fact that there's just so much more going on there than there was last year scares me a little bit. The fact that everybody was hurt except for Hill. They had to go through him a bunch, and they found out he could carry it, which is awesome. Uh, it just scares me a little bit that there's so much else going on there now with AJ healthy, with Marvin Jones healthy, with Eifert healthy. So think about it, that though. He did it with no protection. Now he's going to have protection to face less fronts, and, and he's going to get the ball less. Line. But he's going to get the ball less. He can break the big play too. You guys are sure. both right, and that's the reason yeah. why this guy is so intriguing. And when you get him, it might be the, literally the best pick in the draft, and it might be something where there's a, a crowded situation. But the one thing I like going into the season is the team is saying, own it. 
You're the number one. Get ready to have a huge season. Get ready to be a superstar. That's the way you got to be thinking. If you're not thinking that way, you're not going to get there. So I like that whole situation for how they're treating it. I feel like... I'm being told that Average Joe's does not have enough players and will be forfeiting the championship match. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. I feel like I heard that situation before. It's probably last year when they said the same thing to Gio. Yeah. <laughs> it's the exact same thing they said to Gio. So, we'll see. Gio is not the same. Gio is not 232 pounds, 6 foot 1, and uh, runs uh, just as fast. <laughs> well, he doesn't quite run as fast as Gio, but it's close. Yeah, it was a stuck. That's one thing I did learn last year is those um, scat back type guys, such as a Gio or whatever, uh, don't put too much stock into them. Uh, yeah. Grab them when you can, but don't don't reach for them because they they won't return on investment there if you if you're reaching for them. Yeah, they're not top twelve type options, but as RB twos, you know, don't don't go in with Andre Ellington expecting to be your RB one. But hey, as a two, especially in a PPR, okay. I don't even trust yeah, that. To I don't be trust honest. Not anymore. Okay, not not okay. Andre Ellington. Let's use a different example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. CJ Spiller, uh, Gio Bernard. They're you, all the you. same. Okay. They're all the same sort of player. They're RB twos. They're not RB ones. Don't expect them to be RB ones. Got you. Got you. Uh, any other? Let's keep let's keep doing this kind of draft strategy. What from your manifestos or just things from doing all your mocks and knowing the drafts are around the corner. What are some of these little aces up your sleeve and and little things that you know that you. We all are egotistical on this stuff. We all know, like, and a perfect example, even while you're thinking of these things, is, is, is great, but we all have these little things that we know we're going to do that are going to be, that you're, we're going to grin while it happens. And it actually, we did this in the Scott Fishbowl, and we took with the last pick overall, at a long, long draft, in a long, long situation where we're already exhausted and taking garbage. Who knows what will happen? We mentioned him earlier. But we took Chris Johnson. He wasn't on the team. We're not going to be able to. Uh, this isn't a league. This is a finish. What's a fastball or finish? It's not. No, this the fishball is, isn't. No, not, uh, not are, that one. Yeah, the fishball. We are going to be changing it's the fantasy our pros is a, is a yeah, best yeah, yeah. Ball. Sorry, but sorry, I, I get them all confused. All these expert leagues. <laughs> <laughs> Snooty tooty, baby. <laughs> but the truth is, that's a great pick. I mean, instead we could have been grabbing our like second defense. But instead, and, and we were all talking about, it, but definitely Dog was the first one. It was like, maybe we should take uh, um, the home run know, hitter. Yeah, yeah, take, yeah, take we could have taken Derek, Derek Mason, yeah. but we didn't. Yeah, and now now we anybody in our league sitting there scrambling, wanting to go and grab a guy that now is the news, and we took it with the last pack, last pick in a really, really deep, big league. So... Just making little moves like that and knowing and grabbing your, you know, your slide move with grabbing um, um, Kelsey earlier after you had already gone ground, you're loving that. You're, you're, that's just kind of like, that's a bold statement. I'm saying basically don't be afraid to put your stamp and have those little preconceived notions of things you, you might try out. I've done it in the past with drafting, and so have you, drafting Julio Cruz really late. I did it with Tebow, drafting him late. I did it with Victor, sorry. I said Julio Cruz? Julio Cruz, Jeez. yeah. Um, all right. He's and then I, I did it with... Um, did it as well with Kaepernick in the year that he did blow up. I was telling everyone that year in the podcast, I'm like, grab Kaepernick late. He's going to be playing. And everyone that did that, you get, get Kaepernick in the 20, 18th, 20th round. It was pretty much the best draft pick. Make those kind of Absolutely. decisions. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, 
It do, you do. In late in drafts, what I do, you go for home runs. I don't go for the steady guys. I don't need steady guys on my team. You need the guys that put you over the top. I'm a huge proponent of that. That it's a great call. And we did, like you said, we did it with Chris Johnson, and I'll be doing it again this year. You go for the home runs. You go for the guys that you know. If one injury happens, that guy is the guy that's going to put you over the top. And, and don't let if you were the guy in, in last year or years past that that drafted a Josh Gordon, expecting maybe when he's going to come back off of it, uh, you know, whatever, or Justin Blackman. Don't let the fact that that didn't work out preclude you from doing it again. It's true. It's true. Anything can happen. And if it's, the, you know, like we do a draft where we go 24 rounds, you know, and some of these drafts we've been doing are 20 rounds, 18 rounds. That's a long draft. And when you're talking about the 18th, 19th, 20th, 24th guy on your team, make it a home run. Don't get your second defense. Don't get your second, your third tight end. Don't do that shit. That's not worth it. Go for the home run. And this is, a, this is something that I'm going into drafts and really thinking about a lot more nowadays than I used to in the past. And I've been thinking about more and more each year. And this year, it's, it's obviously going to be one of the bigger things for me. The offense that they play with it. The scheme that they play with it. It is so huge. Um, I, I can't tell you how big of a difference it makes to certain players. Which is why I'm a little down on an Alshon Jeffrey this year, which is why I know I'm going to be grabbing Steve Smith in our draft before, hopefully before you do, now that I'm talking to you about him. it. You'll get him. You know, I mean, because people will be like, hey, he's an old man, Steve Smith, he'll be, you know, and I'll wait way too long on him, and I'll grab him, and you watch. Like I said, 90 catches this year. It's the system, plain and simple. That also goes along with what you were saying with the, the home run guys at the towards the end of the draft. Grab guys on teams in the schemes where it's going to fit them. If it's a big-time running scheme that you know that uh, maybe, uh, you know, like uh, Jeremy Hill happens to get injured, get the guy who's going to carry the workload after that. I know Gio Bernard is the next in line, whatever. But when he's fit into his role and maybe there's another big guy who ends up playing some, uh, playing a factor, who knows? Or the, 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 the third or fourth receiver on Baltimore entrustment system there. It's worth taking a shot. Yeah, that's, that's my call. I'll give you another stat or, or um, statistic that I'm looking at. It's time of possession for each team. Mm-hmm. Now, there's only one anomaly to the entire argument on time of possession, and that's Chip Kelly of the Philadelphia Eagles, yeah. who were dead last in time of possession last year, averaging the ball only 26 minutes and 40 seconds per game. Hmm. But when you go up the list of the teams from at the, starting at 31 here, you're talking Jacksonville, Tampa Bay, Tennessee, Cleveland, Oakland, Minnesota, St. Louis, Atlanta, New England, Baltimore, Buffalo, Arizona, Kansas City, Miami, Chicago. So you're talking about a scheme right there? Well, automatically right there, you're not hearing any of the real awesome dynamic teams, you know. You haven't gotten to the to the top where you get, you know, your Dallas, Pittsburgh, Seattle, Carolina, Indianapolis, uh, San Francisco, uh, ball control, but that's going to change this year for them. There's ball control. A lot of that is ball control. It is, but but my point is this. The teams that are better usually control the ball longer. The teams that win more games are the teams that win the battle of time of possession because they're turning the ball over, they're giving their offense more chances to score. So if you don't have the ball, you have less chances to score. So in which case, then you better be... Why my love for Mike Evans is because I believe he's head and shoulders the best talent on that team. And so even though... And, and they're going to be behind. Um, so that gives him an opportunity where he's going to get 
more looks just because of, of what he how much better he is than everyone around him. And he is. He's definitely a lot better than everybody around him. Vincent Jackson's fallen off a cliff, basically. And, I mean, the, the third receivers on that team, well, you know, I mean, Bell, Kenny Bell has, has some talent, and I guess... It's. I mean, Austin Safarian Jenkins. I guess has a you know has some talent that hasn't been tapped into yet. It's still the Mike Evans show there. We all know what Doug Martin is. Um, hopefully, he can get back to it. Uh, you know his old ways. But I agree, Mike Evans is definitely above uh, above and beyond on that team. Stags, what do you got? Give us give us something that you're brewing up in your leagues, and don't be coy. I'm trying to save it like my my, my big drafts this weekend, and they listen to the damn podcast now. So, so this tra- is what you're doing. So you're being that guy. I'm trying to given up. We've given up leagues and championships to our participants in our leagues. Hundred percent. We draft strategy. Here's what I'm doing in the draft next week, guys. You are a pro. You don't need to hold it back. You just beat him with it anyway. Absolutely. Meanwhile, the Jolly Rancher juice is dripping off your fucking chin. <laughs> <laughs> so. One of the things I'm really open to doing is I'm completely open to streaming up to four positions. I'll stream a tight end. I'll stream a QV. I'll stream the defense, and I'll stream the kicker. Like, I'll be open to it. I know I can't do it all on one team, but I'll be open to any of those. So You're turning your leagues into daily fantasy, huh? I mean, I don't like players enough to stick with them for the whole season. Do you have a commitment problem? (laughs) <laughs> Can we talk about this? You are on this big chair. I could kind of put on my role right now as, as your therapist. Is there a commitment issue at the at the base of this? <laughs> I want to say this one because he was doing this. You were doing this last year. What I would always love is that when you're talking about FanDuel or DraftKings or whatever, when you were coming and you're talking about fans, like I love this guy, forty five hundred dollars. I love this guy, and it was like that, that was always like your thing. So it's like I get where you're coming from. You know, you're seeing like the. Like the guy who's going to completely outperform the value at that time that week, it just puts a lot of onus. Because I'll tell you this: if you're thinking about doing that, remember this is you also got to do all the work that you got to do on pyro, and you can't miss your your deadlines. <laughs> I miss I miss I miss moves at least a few times a, a year. So it's oh, a yeah. tough it's a tough life. We're all screwed. I mean, um, yeah, I've lost weeks. Just yeah, I'm not going to talk about. It. Yeah, I'm not going to. I'm not going to reshow you some of the text messages. I no, found. please don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, so at QB, I I know it's deep, and you know I I know I can get guys to put up top positional weeks, to put up big scoring weeks against you know subpar defenses, or you know coming off you know being the replacement quarterback like a Kirk Cousins in certain matchups, certain things like that. And then, you know, for defense, you know, you got to do it. Uh, you know, even the best defenses aren't going to be very consistent for you. So you got to know to mix and play the matchups. And kicker, yeah, I might try and get, I might take a kicker in the 15th instead of the 16th and get like a Goskowski rather than, you know, taking another guy. But it just kind of depends on the flow of the matchups and stuff like that. Uh, so one of the teams I'm really looking forward to on defense right now is Indy. Because their first, you know, stretch of games is, you know, pretty much butter. Yeah. So, that that's, depending on who I draft, at the very end of my draft, if I took that kicker in the 15th round, then I, I come back with the ND pick, and then I know I'm be streaming defenses with a better kicker, so then I'm not streaming that kicker too, except on my bye week. With kickers, I mean, with defenses, a lot of it has to do with scoring system as well. 
You don't just play a defense against a terrible offense because they're going to kick the crap out of them. If uh, if it's I mean if it's if you get a lot of points for keeping them to a shutout or five or three points or seven points or whatever, and you get a lot of points for that, sure that's a defensive play. But if it's a running team like the Jets or something, and it happens to be uh, you know Fitzpatrick who's not going inter- to throw as many interceptions as Geno, he'll still throw some whatever. Uh, but if they're going to run all day long. That's not a, a team that you want to play a defense against because you're not going to get a whole hell of a lot of points against it. You're not going to have sack opportunities. You're not going to have interception opportunities. Um, you're, uh, if, you know, if they're scoring, you know, if they score 14 points, there goes your day with a defense. So a lot of it has to go into uh, the scoring system that you're within. I'll, I'll give you this because again, I'm waiting to my last pick in, in in regular drafts to pick a defense or a kicker. So I got no problem if you're deciding to stream a defense because you're already saying. You're not going to be the person that's taking Seattle. You're not going to be, you know, the person that's taking these top defense stuff. So that's fine, you know. But what I think is 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 interesting is, well, unfortunately, in my league, you'll only get three three rounds of uh, supplemental drafts, so you don't have weekly pickups. I think, it, but in regular leagues, I love it, especially ten team leagues. Ten team leagues, you're going to have so much value to choose from every week on the waiver wire to stream a defense and even potentially a, a kicker. Yeah. And especially now, because it's going to be so much more interesting with what they're going to do with these extra points, being that it's a 33-yard kick. So, you know. Cody Parkey going out and missing them. Right. Do standard leagues give you negative points if you miss an extra point or anything like that? I mean, Yeah, I mean, I guess some leagues do that. I, I really don't care. <laughs> to be honest, I don't care about kickers at all. Well, Here's the thing. Our 24-round draft last year. Here's, here's something to say about defenses. 24 rounds, 10-man draft. I got the Buffalo Bills in the last round. That's crazy. That's, I mean, it, it, it happens every year. You're going to get a defense that nobody really knows about. That Who's that defense this year, guys? Tell our Miami, maybe. If nobody knows about it. Um, they're going a little bit higher, I think. But, but Buffalo, they're starting to jump but Buffalo up Buffalo was bit. our fourth, third or fourth last year. Yeah, and nobody, but nobody... Nobody in our league knew about it, and I'd consider our league pretty knowledgeable. I, I think Miami's the best bet for that. Yeah. Uh, maybe a Carolina bounce back, because uh, they were maybe. pretty good down the stretch. Maybe. And then, you know, the Jets, Jets. have already been so overhyped already, they're already that they're, they're, their ADP is through the roof as a defense. All right. Well, I'll just, I just throw it out there. Well, one last thing I'll say, unless you guys are still going on that, and then we can move on to some other stuff, but... Um, a quote from Lou Holtz is, is, Life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. When you're in a draft, if you aren't doing tiers first and foremost, you're going to be responding in a much more chaotic manner than you should be. So obviously, do your tiers. I love that we haven't said tiers. We're, we're not going to beat a dead horse. Every site out there is doing tiers, and there's no question about it. We were doing them first. Uh, tiers, tiers, tiers. Redo them. Reset them. Make sure they're airtight. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work. I really got to put a lot of work into my tiers, leading into my two drafts um, over the next couple weeks. No question about it. But how you respond to it is so important. If you're going through a magazine, if you're going looking up websites, if you're all over the map and you don't have tiers set, or at least even if your mind works good off the top 200 and you're crossing guys off, if that's the way you go, you know, move over to tiers. It's a life-changing experience. But react well. Put the pro 
preparation and now set yourself so that everything with your tears and your knowledge and your drafting and the direction you're going to be going through mocking has already been done so you've already been throwing a lot of wrenches at you. You've thrown, there's been a lot of things you've had to react to already when prior to you being on the actual clock. So that, that's what I would say is use this time between now and your draft not to just fill more information but really fill out your tiers and prepare and know what could come at you. And on a league like what you were talking about, Houdini, where you don't even know who you're pulling as your draft spot until a half an hour earlier, check out and do models and mocks based on every single position so you can get an idea where where you're going to take things when. If you can dodge traffic, you can dodge a ball. <laughs> Be prepared. Be prepared. Be the ball, Danny. Um, any, other, uh, any other components you want to do, or should we get into... Uh, you know, it's really just more of the same. We're going to talk <laughs> about players. Yeah, like, uh, I mean, no. I mean, yeah, and we've mentioned a lot of stuff here. I, I think yeah, it's good. It. Okay, fair enough. Now, we'll go to the next thing, um, and that's going to be guys that we're, you are really low on right now. Who are a couple of players that each of you guys could mix up? You know, not let's not make it obvious based on injury. We already kind of did that, but... ADP values. Where are things heading? Who are some guys that you're like, whoa, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not buying at that dollar. I just don't buy him at whatever dollar he's at. But I'm not. I, I saw him here. I love what he did for the Chicago Bears, but I'm not buying on anything about Brandon Marshall this year. Uh, I'm, I think it's better for him that, that it's Ryan Fitzpatrick who's uh, who's going to get the the nod right now. But at the same time, I just look at him as being somebody who is going to potentially cause problems in the locker room. Who's going to be discontented if the if all things don't go right for the for them in New York, with the microcosm of the New York media on top of it? It's like it's just a disaster waiting to happen. So yeah, you might get some good games on it, but then you're going to get the pouting game, or you're going to get the angry game, and then it's just going to be a, a recipe for disaster as far as I'm concerned. Always is. Yeah. But I, I kind of I kind of actually don't mind where he's going his ADP value. He is that one guy that's like. He's that last. He's in that last range of guys that have really done it before that are going late. I'm not saying you're and wrong. I'm not loving him. That's what you asked. I'm not loving no, him. No, and I'm not either. <laughs> I'm not either. But when I see him in these drafts, I'm like now, especially with Gino being out, it's kind of like, all right, I hate this freaking guy. He is going to be everything you just said, but he might get games where he's getting a ton of ton of action. Well, any guys you're down on? Want to know who I'm not down on? Is Val Burden. That is a really interesting painting. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's uh, that's me taking the bull by the horns. That's how I handle my business. It's a metaphor. I, I don't really like Sammy Watkins. Like, I just don't see how he's going to have a big improvement You know, over last year. Uh, I think he's still going to be the ins- inconsistent threat. Uh, you know, a Rex Ryan team has never really put up a decent wide receiver ever. Uh, it's Rex Ryan's team. LaShawn McCoy is there to carry it. Hey, maybe if LaShawn McCoy's hamstring is off the bone and they have to throw it a lot with a, you know, Tyrod Taylor and, you know, Matt Castle, whoever it might be. Tyrod Taylor leading the, leading the pack right now. I mean, is. that that's uh, an interesting fantasy guy in himself that we'll have to talk about a little bit here. I'm, and who could skyrocket up our tiers in the next week or so. I'm cooling, I mean, I'm cooling on my Sammy Watkins love. I mean, I just don't see love. how he's going to get a ton of targets. And the guys going around him, you know, Amari Cooper going like a little bit later, I'd much rather have Amari Cooper than Sammy Watkins. I yeah. have him right 
nine spots at least over one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 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 <laughs> nine out of them. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I fully agree with you. Here's what I think. I, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily sure. I, I think I may be Amari Cooper just because of the sheer targets he's going to get. But what I want to look for, if I'm looking at those players when it's that close and you have those guys in that tier, I also want to know, what's the quarterback situation? If it, I'll, I'll defer to the better quarterback. Talk about scheme. Well, let's also talk about the quarterback that can actually hit me, hit me as a receiver who's breaking past the defense in stride as opposed to me having to – Beat the guy this way, and they have to readjust midstream. I had a five-yard lead. Now I gave it all up just to make the catch, and I'm getting smacked in the face for it because the guy can't throw the ball. Yeah, readjusting midstream. It sounds like me with a drunk pee at like four in the morning, where I'm like sitting all of a sudden I, can I hear, you. I hear, I hear the noise of it hitting the floor. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to remember this tomorrow. Ooh, it's going to stink. Why is this plant I, I, singing? <laughs> oh, I'm pissing at it. Ah. This, this is the most comfortable seat that I've ever lifted up. Oh, it's a cushion. <laughs> <laughs> And the best is you don't recognize it until the morning when you sit down and go, huh? Oh, oh no. Why oh, no. does it smell like pee everywhere, Daisy? <laughs> oh, good so, uh, I'm going to throw a couple of uh, receivers out there that I feel are pretty much the exact same receiver. And they're both in situations where I just, I, I'm not liking it very much. Mike Wallace and Torrey Smith. Deep threats. Long deep threats that are on teams that I just don't see that happening all that much. You got Kaepernick throwing it to Torrey Smith, and I don't see him having a great long ball. He's stuck on Anquan Bolden. They're going to be running the ball. It's just not going to be a great offense in general. Torrey Smith just doesn't uh, do a whole hell of a lot for me. And Mike Wallace is stuck on a team where he's got literally, except for except for him thinking it, um, he's probably like the fifth most talented guy on that offense, to be quite honest. Uh, and he thinks he's obviously the best thing since, you know, sliced salami. Um, but Well, I like sliced salami. Oh, so do I. I. So let me, oh, yeah. let me say this about Torrey Smith, because um, if you're comparing those two guys, to me, it's it's not even close. It's, it's Torrey Smith head and shoulders above Mike Wallace, but I understand where you're coming from, and I'm going to back you up on it. Um, the one thing that Kaepernick has never had, when you say he can't throw the deep ball, we don't know. He's never had a deep threat receiver. You know, every guy that they were drafting that was trying to be that, Quentin Patton and all these other guys, uh, A.J. Jenkins. It's just, Midgets. They all, and, and none of it worked yeah. out. None of them could actually, could actually do it or stay on the field. So, the Torrey GM Smith, was your favorite uh, baseball team, too. The guy that fumbled the ball twice in the, in the NFC Championship. Kyle Williams. Williams. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So, But you have now, in Torrey Smith, at least a proven wide receiver for him. And he already worked with Anquan Bolden. So he'll have that, that potential. But what I hate about it, uh, exactly to your point, is it's San Francisco. And everything that's going on. And by the way, Jim uh, Tomasulo, this guy, he may be, is going to be a one year and out uh, head coach of experience. Uh, they've, been, they've been playing on, on the Boars and Bernstein show here on the score in Chicago. Just him, his quotes. Him with Tim Beckman, the Illinois uh, head coach, two of the biggest morons you've ever heard uh, speaking <laughs> on a microphone. They endlessly hire those kind of guys. Dave Wanstead, these these lughead jocks. Uh, man, these some of these guys. Wanstead's actually at least totally. smart. Like, I've heard it. You hear him talk now. He he knows how to analyze things at least. Thomas Sulo, you know who he seems like to me? Russ Grimm when he came into Chicago. Yeah, I'm, I'm a meat and potatoes uh, guy. I'm a meat and potatoes guy. <laughs> what do you got? Today? I think there's a lot of guys in that sort of tier. I mean... 
There's yeah. the Brashad Perriman type. Yep. There's Mike Wallace, Tory Smith, Michael Floyd, yep. you know, John Brown. They're all sort of the same guy. They're deep threats. And it's it's like, how do you treat them? And in PPR, you're going to treat them much differently than standard leagues and long-distant leagues. You're going to treat them a lot differently. You know, also Kenny Stills. And yeah. they're all in that 40 range, you know? It's Terrence like, Williams. Yeah, Terrence Williams is the, maybe the biggest. Yeah. So, but don't you, isn't this the way you should compare them? You should compare them based on quarterback. Who's the quarterback that has the best chance to make those throws? John Brown has a great opportunity if your guy, Carson Palmer, can stay healthy. Agreed. You know, that's, he was looking great when, when it was Carson under center. Once it went to Drew Stanton, everything became much more difficult for him. Agreed. So, same thing with Bashad Perriman. I would rather take my chance on the guy that ran a 4-2-5-40 with Joe Flacco, who has proven that he can throw the deep ball and is not going to let Perriman outrun the ball. Um, then Should he be healthy? Should he be healthy? Mike Wallace... I like I like Teddy Bridgewater, but again I I just I'm waiting for the implosion there. He's he's in the same boat. For me, he's not in that boat. He's in the Brandon Marshall boat. He's in the crazy boat. Yeah. And you Bridgewater's never been a guy that people are talking about is gone. Right. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, all these type of guys. I don't know. They're, they're home run threats, and they may and they'll give you a game or two during the year that they'll you know they'll, they'll rock they'll rock it for you, which which is awesome. But their, their, their consistency will drive you freaking insane. It's it's the Dante Stallworth syndrome. You know, you just you get two long balls a year, and that's it. And, that, and that, that's the end of your that's the end of your year. It's two long balls. You or no, not, not Dante Stallworth. Uh, who's the who's the guy? Was that am I, am I right? Dante Stallworth was one of them. The, yeah. Uh, yeah, one uh, the guy on New, uh, New Orleans. Patriots, he was on a bunch of teams. Robert Meacham? No, not uh, Meacham, the other one. Joe Morgan? No. Uh, all of them. There's been a yeah. hundred of them. Joe yeah. Horn? <laughs> Joe Horn. Joe Horn was, good Horn was actually good. Yeah, I mean, he, he could actually, yeah, he could actually play some. But it's it's that syndrome where you do you have two games where you blow up and you it, you have the most impossible time calling him and you don't want to start him every game and then you end up missing that one. So those are the type of guys I stay away from personally. For me, a guy that I'm just not high on at all is Eddie Lacy. I, I, I just I, I don't have the stats, the data the, to back it up, but my heart tells me that this team, he's just going to be getting a lot of a lot of mediocre games. He's going to probably he needs to have a 12 touchdown season and be a goal line maven, which is not what they do when they're on the goal line. They start throwing it. I'm just worried about him. He won't be on any of my teams. I'm absolutely positive. When I see him going at the fifth or sixth pick, I, I've said this, I think, in a few podcasts ago, I just kind of cringe when I see it. Yeah, I, I'll tell you right now. I won't have Eddie Lacy on my team, but it's, it's starting to take a bit of a turn for me with the Packers coming out and saying that they want to up the tempo of their offense. Yeah. And that's a big thing. They ran, I mean, and I know you guys have read about it, they ran 33 plates in the first quarter of that preseason game. That's insanity. That is way more plays than Chip Kelly runs. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, that is insane how many plays. You can't run 33 plays in a quarter. That's like literally almost impossible to do. But they did it. And that adds to Eddie Lacy just a bit, simply from volume standpoint. I think it helps Rodgers more. I think it helps somebody like a Devontae Adams more. I think Nelson and Cobb will obviously be helped by that, but I think they're already up there anyway. Um, and it'll help somebody like maybe a Richard Rodgers. But it definitely helps Eddie Lacy just a little bit if they run more plays and get him the ball a little bit more because that's my problem with Lacy. He doesn't get the ball enough. 
He only ran it, what, 220 some odds? 246. Yeah, 246 last year. That's not a ton. It's an average of 15.4 per game. Exactly. I'm not that impressed with that, and that's why he's down my boards with. I know that there's, I mean, most of the sites I've been looking at have him as like one or two this year. That's that's, driving me nuts. That's crazy. What the hell are you talking about, I, I mean, I see what he does, I know what his talent is, and I know the offense he's in. He's not warranted that one or two pick at all. He's barely warranted the five or six. That's what I'm saying. He's not going to be on my team, and I'm with you, D-Rex, on that. But he's with the up-tempo of that offense, he could be rising a little bit. Just to jump on it as well, because I'm also with you on here's that you were asking all those stats, and so we already got some of them out there. Yeah. Um, so he's a guy, but he averaged 4.6 yards uh, per carry. He did have eight runs of 20 yards or, or more. Um, but only one run of 40 yards or more. So he's not going to give you that that huge, long... you know, Not a long touchdown play. guy if you play in that type of league. He did fumble three times. Mm-hmm. So, you know, ball security is, is, is potentially an issue. And even when you're talking about this fast tempo type thing, I don't Body think tempo. that plays into his hand. He's a guy that suffers from asthma. So, and that's taken him out of games before. So if you're going to... What that's actually going to do is it's going to force him to come out of games, I think, on drives a lot more where he would normally be able to stay in. And on top of that, that's why also 246, I think around 250, 260 is where they want to keep his carries. So, you know, that's where, again, where I'm disagreeing with everyone that has him at number one because if, they're, if you're projecting him to be a 300-carry guy, it's just not going to happen Never. in this offense. Yep. And, and also realize that it's not like Aaron Rodgers is throwing for 5,000 yards. He's not. He throws for like 4,600. So he's not like up in the in the in the top end. He's already sacrificed part of his game to give it to Eddie Lacy. So, what you think he's going to give up even more when they got Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, and Devonta Adams and Ty Montgomery I'll, I'll and you, if, Jeff Janis? If Green Bay really does up their tempo and up their amount of plays per game, Rogers Rogers goes yes. up, and I think he actually maybe goes above luck for me. Well, that's, that's the whole thing. Yeah. Where I had him and I just switched him back and I have to go back yeah, again. Yeah, I might have to go back, back yeah. I, I just think he's the most consistent force among running backs. Like he's got the least question marks. That's why you rank him so high. Yeah. But, I mean, just looking at his numbers from last year, he was top 10 among running backs and carries, top 10 in running backs in rushing yards, top 10 in running backs and rush touchdowns, top 10 in uh, receiving touchdowns, top 10 in receiving yardage, and... Uh, 17th or something in receptions and 17th in targets, give or take. And he's a high yards per carry, yeah. Uh, you know, in yards per carry, he was good. Their line's very good. And usually, Green Bay's just blowing the shit out of people and running Lacey down their throats. When you talk about game flow, you know that Lacey's going to get those late hammer carries. Sure. And, you know, that's something you got to think of. You know, if there's a better offense in the league, you know, there's maybe one or two, there's not very many. And especially now that they're going to try and pile it on early with tempo, you know he's he's a top four or he's a top five guy for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, that's so. All I so say. if you have the fifth pick and you want one of those running backs in the first round, and you have the fifth pick and the other four guys that you have ahead of him, you're are you you're you're going Lacey with the five. I would take Lacey at four over C.J. Anderson. He's more his elusiveness rating from Pro, pro Football Focus was better uh, than C.J. Anderson's last season. Um, and his line's way better. He's got Aaron Rodgers, and not much has changed. I, they're returning like 99.9999999% of the snaps from last season. What is going to change? No, yeah. you're absolutely right. Uh, go ahead. Go well, ahead I, I'm just going to say, again, he's my number four. I just don't like him as number one. So I'm just, that was down on him in that regard. But, again, if I'm looking at 
he's potentially the safest running back to draft that you know that you're going to get this range of points from. So just don't expect it to blow up by 20, 25%. I'm actually going to blow up your safest thing. Okay, especially when you bring like into the especially when you bring into it the asthma and the fact that they're trying to go up tempo now. He's always been injury prone. He's always had injuries, and that was one of the biggest knocks on him coming into the pros. And then he got injured the moment he got into the pros. All right, he happened to go all last season. Okay, but how long does that something like that last? Especially if they're pushing him. Especially with the asthma. Especially with the up tempo. I'm not so sure. I, I'll tell you right now. It just clicked into my head, I'm going to be targeting James Starks late. I'm going to go get James Starks later on and make sure that I have that backup, because that is a situation you want to be in, and I'm not so sure Eddie Lacy can handle it. Well, no, no, it's still, he's still the safe pick, because what it's going to mean is, is they're just going to, he's going to be pulled out for certain parts of the drive. He's still going to be their hammer when they get into the red zone, as far as the guy that's going to get the goal line carries, and he's still going to be the guy that's going to get just like what he's done his first two seasons. Anywhere between 230 and he had 246, up to 260 carries. It's not going up any more than that. So they may be running a lot more plays. James Starks, again, that's where the other part is. It just means that they're going to be interchanging more backs in there. So so he may, if they start at the 20-yard line, he gets the carries up until they get to the 50. Then he's got to go take a breather. Then if they advance into the red zone, then he comes back. It's in. also a lot more pass protection, which means he's getting run over by giant men more. Well, but he also has the benefit of amazing receivers out there that prevent anyone from stacking the box against him. Any other guys we um, we don't like right now? And just we can name a few and go through them quickly. If not, Justin Forsett. All right. <laughs> we think Gibson Wall because we talked way too much about Forsett because of Mo's man crush on him. Okay. So let's make it really quick with him and let's throw out some other names and try it. You know, let's I try, let's let's try about five more names in the next three minutes. Here's my name, Val Faraday. Looks like it's going to be a two-on-one, a menage a trois of pay. Usually you pay double for that kind of action, Cotton. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I won't even talk about it. I, I feel like I'm just hammering on them every week. So Just know that we're not high on them. And they did actually, Trustman did run the ball a lot in that first preseason game. But I'll believe it when I see it when the, when the, when the chips... All right, let's table. just talk about it. Let's just... Let's just talk about someone else. Unless falling out of love with Rue and Randall. I know you guys are been high enough. Falling in or out? Out. Out of love with them. I think that I think that Cruz is somewhat back. And Randall has gotten Which injured again. Which seems insane. Again. Huh? Which seems insane. Yeah. That Victor Cruz is back. Kind he says back. he's 100%. He says he's 100%. I don't know if I... I but I, athletes I, usually don't say they're 100% until they feel like they can do it. It's the guy that's done a lot. He's been saying... Legitimately, the whole time, I'm only at 60%. I'm only at 7%. I'm at 80, 85. Yeah. He's been legit about it. He's been saying, realistic, a lot of guys trying to overdo it and say, no, I'm, I'm fine. I'm 100% or whatever. He's been legit about his percentages and what he can do and what he can't do. He's been going out there and they've been pushing him and pushing him. And finally, he's gotten to the point where like, I can do anything. I'm 100%. And yeah, today was the toughest practice I've had in a long, long time. But I did it all and I'm fine. If we've never heard Derrick Rose, God bless it, NBA first, latest first NBA mention ever on the podcast, maybe, we've never ever said him, like, I feel like I'm 100%. <laughs> he's never been. Uh, so I'm falling out of love with Ruben Randall. I, I think he's... But he's still got a great ADP. He's not being overdrafted, really. True. So, True, but I'm saying that we, I was and we were more in love with him earlier, and I, now I I'm falling I still like out. him for, like, that player that is that... 
That zone. Different type of handcuff nowadays where you're looking at the wide receiver who's in a good offense that has guys that have injury issues ahead of them that if something were to happen and he steps up and he's already going to be the wide receiver three on that team anyway, so it's not like he's not seeing snaps. He has the potential still to be dangerous, and especially where he's going, which is what? Somewhere in like the 50s, I think, amongst wide receivers. So 13th round pick. There you go. I, I, mean, I think it's it still really? I, I, one of your last picks yeah. in the draft. Every time, Evan Randall is. Yes. Yeah. Really and that, that's that happened in our expert wow. league too. That guy. I mean, we liked him, and he was always available real late. Here, yeah, he, I agree. I think he's going to get even. Why don't they just cut out Larry Donnell of the offense? And who do you think's more talented out of the you know four? Larry Donnell doesn't block you anyway. So why? why you so so run. Yeah. You know, you're going to run a, a three wide receiver set most of the time. This is going to be a three wide receiver offense, and if you know, if you want a guy who's still up and coming in the thirteenth round, who's what 24, 25 years old, twenty four years old, uh, highly drafted, big, who has a chance to you know just suddenly score more touchdowns or score about his career average four or five with the potential for maybe a thousand yard season in the thirteenth round. There's not that many guys that can do that for you. True. Yeah, Especially when you have, we're talking about his quarterback, the Eli Manning, is a guy who threw for a couple of years ago was at four thousand nine hundred ninety-seven yards. Yeah, yeah, I think he's got a good chance at five thousand yards this season. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to throw out three names that I have fallen out of love with and have fallen down my charts quite a bit, and I'm actually going to let you guys talk about it a little bit. Sure. Um, want me to do one at a time or just throw all three throw, out there? For one at a time. One at a time. Uh, James White. You know, I, I I never got into the, you know, I know that we were talking about him last year. I know that you were high on him this year. I've got to see where I currently have him. I have him far down um, on, on my on, on my tiers. I just never really bought into it. I don't like the fact that when you're, um, and he's kind of a little bit of an undersized guy, you know, for a guy that's, that, that supposedly runs inside. You're in a Bill Belichick Offense where there's extreme competition. He has not done anything to separate himself where he was really supposed to make his name for himself was as a receiver. And now you have Shane Vereen gone and he still can't fill into that role. So I, I just, I'm wondering that he's just going to find himself without a spot. And the best thing for him is maybe that he gets on with somebody else where he gets a chance. Yeah, it, it just bums me out that he's such a, a, a <laughs> non pad type of guy. You know, there's so many of those type of guys that are so good without pads on, and then you put them in pads, and all of a sudden they suck. You know where I have him on my tiers? Number 62. Okay. I mean, he's yeah. like, he's like, you know, it's he's right a, around he's, where I have him, yeah. He's a late round flyer. And the reason you're taking it is because you know what the role can do. We don't necessarily know that James White can do it, but we know that the role is needs somebody. They're going to have a passing down. The fact of the matter is the best man for that role is the man that they like in a different role, and that's Brandon Bolden. They special love teams. Brandon Bolden as the special team or the guy who could do everything, but the fact of the matter is, is that he's the best passing down back that they have. He it, is. Because of pass so- protection. Yeah, pass protection, he can catch the ball, he can run the ball, he can do what needs to be done out of that role, but they want to protect him a little bit because he's such an awesome and special team. too, because he's a willing blocker. Yeah. Like, That's the biggest all, all thing All the other intangibles that you need need that player to have, he does have them. Next guy I'm throwing out there, yep. Jay, Jay Ajayi. Can I, can I say sure. something about James White? He looked really good receiving 
in uh, that in preseason, the preseason game. game. That's true. Four for 52. Who's that? J- James, James White. White. Yeah, he did. He looked good receiving there, but he blew a block. Yep. Um, got Garoppolo blown up uh, on that play. Left was, pretty howled himself. Yeah. Uh, it's just, he's, uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, he's, uh, he's before they put on the pads, he's great. Uh, Jay Ajay. Um, listen, I, I, I do still... Can I say still one thing before you go on? Sure. For, you're like, hey, can I get one? From now on, we need to interrupt to go, hey, Bushwick, can I get a witness? All right. Fuck Done yeah. Nike will that sick. Absolutely. Jolly Rancher. <laughs> what do we got? <laughs> Bubbles. Bubbles. <laughs> Bubbles. I, I don't think Bubbles. anybody Bubbles. is in love with Jay Ajay anymore. Like, no. that, that, like, love has faded. Uh, you know, being the rookie running back who you know we really liked coming out of college, but who fell because of you know knee trouble. But then now he he's overweight and he can't get on the field. And he's got a hamstring injury and he's fourth on the depth charts. And you know, Damian Williams was a talented guy. Very uh, talented, actually. He what got kicked out of Oklahoma um, and then ended up going pretty much undrafted because of it. But on the field at Oklahoma, he looked pretty good. So, sure. he's a highly touted uh, high school prospect as well. So, you know, I'm starting to warm up to him. And, you know, J.J. is just going to have to wait. Yeah. My thing is, it's it's turned me into really liking Lamar Miller a lot more. Yes. You know, because he was brought in as supposed to be the, the, the primary competition. And when you have a highly touted rookie that comes into camp and then they're overweight and they can't do anything that they're supposed to do. It just gives new life to the person that's the incumbent, and and Lamar Miller again, he's he, he's underperformed for what his abilities supposedly were as he's come in. So again, he's got that chip on his shoulder and something to prove. So he's becoming a guy that I'm liking more, and that I that I Post have just sleeper. out of that top tier of like as you said the top ten where where that major drop off happens. He's now becoming that guy that's. A, Catching, he's in between the peloton and the lead pack, and he's, he's he's closing in. So he's like that guy in the middle. This is my guy, and it's always been my guy. Okay, and then you you know it when I say a name, none of you guys can claim this one. Isaiah Crowell. It's your guy. He's my guy, and How he's falling. He's, I think he's. It, it, when it comes to our tiers, I think I am as the lowest at this point. But, like the farthest down. So let me. I want to throw it back to you though. What scares you? Because Terrence West does not look good. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Terrence West doesn't look good, and uh, Duke, Duke. Jo- Johnson... He's got a hammy. <laughs> but the thing is that Crowell hasn't done anything to endear himself to the coaching staff. They keep yelling and screaming, and they were going out shopping for running backs uh, after a couple of injuries there. I, I just... I love the kid. I think the kid has the most talent on the team, but as the running back... I can't remember who the running back coach... Uh, Wilbur Montgomery, I think it is, okay. was saying... Um, if you if you have an opportunity to seize that starting job and you don't want that ball in your hands and you don't want to take that opportunity, you're not a starting running back in this I, league. I agree and with that's that. The problem with Isaiah right now is that he's not seizing the opportunity and not taking it by the horns. He's the one who's healthy and he's the one who should be performing the best and he's not taking it by the horns. And that bothers me. I he's easily the biggest it. talent on that team. It's not even close in my eyes. But he's not taking uh, the reins, and he's falling down my charts because of it. Should I? Uh, can you talk me off the fence? Should I still be on his jock? Or should, I mean, SOS. The, it's, hold on, yeah. SOS. Very poor, twenty eighth. How about this? True. Team? He's on the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> True. I mean, it's, 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 you're, you're you're picking off the Brown pile. Well, the fact of the matter is, they're going to run the hell out of the ball. 
So well, it's not that bad of a, 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 a pile of shit to be choosing from. And they have a pretty good offensive line. There could be line. some M&M's in that shit. They have a top five offensive line yeah. with Alex Mack back. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, Joel Bettino's a very good player, and then they drafted, uh, what, Cameron Irving yep. uh, from Florida State, you know, to potentially take over for a Mack. Somebody just get hurt, though. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. They have no weapons in, in the passing game. Everyone's going to be selling They didn't out have any weapons or... last year. I understand, but and they still don't have a quarterback. They're just, it's just not going to be a bevy of fantasy points. You're going to get passable fantasy points out of there. You're not going to get an Isaiah Crowell who's going to bust off a 150-yard game with two touchdowns. This is not going to happen. I don't know if I don't think that could happen, but I hear everything you're saying and loud and clear. It's not that great of a situation, but ADP, where he's going, again, he's that guy that feels like the upside still lies with him versus some of the competition right there where he's going. Who's, go, who's going next to him at ADP right now? Well, hold on. Yeah, before you say that, before you say that, but the other thing too is that he was a guy that had the split uh, carry backfield potential problem, and right now he's separating himself from all those other guys. That's where I understand with, with with the coach. I think it's a motivating thing. They're trying to get him to that point because. He is that lead guy, and they need him to be that lead guy because none of the other guys, the horses in the stable, can run the race. Yeah, the thing is, I was going to actually say Nick Toon, but that's kind of obvious at that point with Brandon Coleman taking over that three spot. He's mm-hmm. gone back to the four, so I don't want to talk about him. But to Crowell, what do you got? Uh, you know, guys going around him that you probably like more, you probably like less. You can, you know, shout out what you think. So we'll play Crowell or. Yep. So Crowell or Tevin Coleman. Crowell. Well. All right, Doug Martin. Mm. Crowell. Close. Uh, it's not Crowell for me, I think. Yeah, it's yeah. real close, but that's that that's a close one. We'll give you that. Uh, Darren McFadden. Crowell. Crowell. Alfred Blue. Crowell. Crowell. Trey Mason. Crowell. Crowell. I mean, in our draft, Chris last Ivory is the one that intrigues me a little bit. Yeah, more. Chris Ivory is about the same. In our draft, that intrigues me. In the same round. Fifth round, and I took, I'm the one who took Crowell. Randall, Giovanni Bernard, Crowell, Joyt Bell, and Doug Martin. Those were the. Those I think the, you took Crowell earlier than you had to. Maybe, but I like him better than all those running backs. Okay. I, I like Randall a lot more than him. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I, I don't like guys that have to steal underwear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do when you're out of drugs. All right. <laughs> yeah. Just take a shower. Go, go Cherokee, bro. You don't gotta wear friggin' That's underwear. True. Just take a Your shower. Your gym is a skid mark on the underpants of society. <laughs> well, I gotta tell a great story about Mo. Not pyromaniac Mo, but Maurice. We went down to uh, Daytona Beach when we were our seniors in high school, and we had the best time ever. Daytona Beach spring break, doing it, so much fun. I joined the Hot Buns contest, came in second. <laughs> had a, afterwards, because I grabbed the I grabbed the beer off the waitress's uh, little whatever waiter thing, and I poured it on my butt. When I got off the stage, she poured a full pitcher over my head. But the best was Maurice sitting there at a. <laughs> <laughs> at, a, at a wet t-shirt contest with, with these girls and they were all smoking and we're there with this young idiots and this girl turns around and my buddy Maurice like literally thought this was gonna work said skid marks <laughs> skid marks he was like skid marks what the fuck are you talking about no, that's not gonna turn on any of these bras that's great <laughs> go ahead make your jokes mister jokey joke maker 
Oh, we don't let him live it down. Mo. Whenever there's like a, whenever Mo's fired up about anything, we're just like skid marks. See, uh, <laughs> my, my my buddy uh, from college, Mike Brown, his nickname is Skid Marks. Oh, that's never a good uh, one. because Bless Mike Brown. Uh, I can't back up. Freshman, uh, his freshman year, um, we did a walkout to like a, another chapter's uh, house, and the guys that at the house that they were at, I wasn't on this one. I think they were at Missouri. Um, he didn't, they didn't like the guys at the house. I thought they were a bunch of dweebs and dorks. And so Skidmark actually on their back steps took a shit and left them a Skidmark on their back porch. A Skidmark, that is more of a brown bag. Well, his last name is Brown. Okay, there we go. Skid Brown. I think we've done a lot of guys for Down Under, right? Yeah. Let's move away from the Skid Marks into the happiness. Skid Marks into the happiness. Guys we're loving. Deanie, I know you're not loving Skid Marks right now. Who are you loving in fantasy football? Let's not make it all top first round guys. Let's have some interesting players here. Uh, but who are you into? Or stags you got well, on top so of your head? A guy that I'm into that, I, that is just further down my list, it's a rookie that is like unlooked amongst the, the rookie wide receivers. And I know that there's disagreements here, but I'm into bunches of funches. I like Devin Funches. I like the fact that he's automatically slotted in as the wide receiver two for Carolina. I know that he has issues with uh, you know being able to hold on to the ball and all this stuff. He is going to have the potential, again, Think about it when you have in scheme and in situation. Does he have to be the, the best burner and everything off the line? No. He's got Cam Newton as a quarterback. So, number one, Cam can make any throw, but Cam extends plays. So, Cam extends broken down plays. He's a guy that has tremendous size, can box people out, is going to become a, a nice asset in, in that offense. And look, Kelvin Benjamin needed somebody else to help balance it besides Greg Olson. So, now he's going to be able to step in and you're going to have a more solid running game and the guy that you also like uh, and I also like talking about guys like uh, Jonathan Stewart I'm I'm buying into this Carolina team because they also have a solid defense they're going to get the ball back in that offense's hands a lot and and I think that you're not since you really only have the uh, Jonathan Stewart who has not been a guy that you could say is a stalwart for staying healthy that you're going to have to have a more balanced attack. And so I, I look for Funches to have a nice season, and you're going to be grabbing him. I'm not sure where his ADP is, but, I mean, you're, you're talking toward the end of your draft, and that's a, it's a nice potential guy. I think it's a good call. You know, I agree. I don't, I, we don't love him around here because of the David T. Thomas. He, I don't see any hot from him. Um, but at the end of the day, you're right. The opportunity is great. And one of the things that's great for a player like that is it's a rookie, comes from a big program, big boy, Cam Newton takes all the pressure off you. The pressure of that whole offense is on one guy's shoulder. It's not on Stewart's. It's not on Funches. It's not on Benjamin. It's on Cam. Cam is in a spot right now going in, what, fourth year now, I guess. Uh, he's ready to take it. He's showing all the signs of being a guy like, this is my team. I dominate. We're about to do some great stuff. And it just makes the whole situation for other players and the pressures of learning and becoming for a guy like David Funches, it's... When Cam's running around that, that hallway and like, you're going to do great, man. You're going to do great. Keep working. Keep working. And the way that he can extend plays, like you said, and gives you that running element with the Stewart back. I completely like everything going on around Cam Newton and that offense. Let me give one other quick little point. As a, as a, as a non-power yeah. numbers type of team for no, years. But they, they, they were a power number team even last year, but they just didn't have the, the top end tier of the power numbers. Yeah. So, but what's interesting with them is that, too, it's like, and you think about What's great, the best thing for a rookie? Well, is to come into a, a team that, that knows what they're doing. 
You have Ron Rivera, who's been there. How long has Riverboat Ron been there? So they have established as far as what, how the protocol is for when rookies come in, how they integrate them into the system, how all these things work, and and they've had success. And they're in a division that sucks. So he's going to have opportunities against the Atlanta defense twice, New Orleans defense twice, and uh, uh, Tampa Bay defense twice. So Carolina. Second easiest uh, strength of schedule for wide receivers. Love it. Somebody's going to have to explain to me the Carlos Hyde love. I'm just going to throw that out there. I ain't got it. Oh, we, I don't we, have it either. We've moved on we to guys who actually love. Okay. But well, I like that. I like that. Because I know that uh, a lot of people do love Carlos Hyde. I mean, he's up there at, I mean, 17, I think, is the ADP at this point uh, in terms of running backs. And, I mean, I got him down at 28. But I thought that maybe one of you guys would... Who do you love? Love him and say it. Uh, who, who am I loving right now? Um, who do you love? Who do you love? I got one. All right. I'm, go ahead. I love A.J. Green in the second round. I mean, you know, I'll draft him pretty much over Jordy maybe because of the hip injury, but it's close. You know, ODB's got a question mark. But the guy, you know, even though he didn't play last season, a full season, over 1,000 yards, you know, six touchdowns. You know, great, great season for uh, running back. Or How many wide games did he play? Thirteen. Thirteen games. And he was, you know, a, a a decoy hobbled and two others. Yep. So he really only played eleven games and got a thousand yards. And his four-year averages, including his rookie year, which was a good rookie year, but not a great rookie year, not like an ODB rookie year, twelve hundred yards and eight touchdowns. Like, I can't go and draft, you know, and his uh, catches and his two best years, 97 and 98, and, you know, his average is like 83. I can't go and I can't draft Mike Evans over him. I can't draft Alshon Jeffrey over him. I can't draft Randall Cobb or T.Y. Hilton or any of these guys over him. I don't see, yeah, he's going to get, he's the number one target. He's going to get peppered with targets. Andy Dalton has proven to be a top QB before. But I just don't see as many warts besides, you know, missing games last season. I don't see them. Do you take him over Jordy Nelson? No, that's the real question. Do you take him over ODB? No. Do you take him over Demarius, over Calvin? That's no, the thing. He, he's, he's stuck at eight. He, he's, st- he's stuck at eight, but he could finish number one. Okay. I, I don't know that he could finish number one. Not, so. not in that Cincinnati offense. Not with their propensity to run the ball so. under Hugh Jackson. I think... He's the type of guy, he's your steady Eddie, he's your, your modern-day Tim Brown, he's your guy that's going to give you the, the good, solid numbers every week, he's going he's to end up with a nice season when it's all said and done, he's going to have a, a good couple, two or three weeks on the season where he has the potential to win you the week, but he's just not going to be that, that super darling at the wide receiver position. It, 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 it's the offense and the erratic QB play that, that keeps him at eight. I think that the possibilities are there, you put him... In a different offense with a different QB, he's, I mean, top talent in the league, could end up number one. But you're right, it's its probably not all that likely. Uh, maybe Valverde's got a chance of going number one. This sport doesn't build character, it reveals it. F&A, Cotton, F&A. I'll give you somebody that I love. Uh, Valverde. Oh, I don't think I'm a lot dumber than you thought that I think that I thought I was once. <laughs> AJ Green has finished ahead of Julio Jones in three of the last 
four seasons. Right, but what what's their points on a per game basis? Because the problem is that Julio's just never been able to stay healthy, and, and Julio AJ's been better pretty much. It's close now. I would tell you what, when you look at what, what Julio was doing last year, and you just see everyone, everyone that talks about Julio <laughs> and what Roddy White's saying about him right now is like, oh my God. And, you, you and he catches it, a touchdown in, in the first preseason. <laughs> the, the guy is just insane. That's why I went up with my Desbian and Juliolian. Um, see, I'm trying to do it again. Juliolian. Juliolian. There we go. Yeah. Um, like Hands. No, I would uh, take him over ODB now. I changed my land. Yeah? Yep. Really? Consistency. See, I would rather have that, that number one wide receiver. I want to know that ODB can win me five weeks on his own. Yeah. AJ Green's not going to win me five weeks yeah, on his sure own. Yeah, sure he does. He and has 25-point games. He has 200 that's, games. That's, that's not he enough, two that's not enough to games. win me a week on your own. I'm, I'm, no, talking, about, I'm talking about ridiculous ODB weeks had The explosion factor. We've never classified. the highest points per game. ODB. That's true. Yeah. We've never classified a... Uh, you know, an AJ as an explosion guy. He's not that. 224 yards and one touchdown that, last season. Right. That was, he had that one game. I thought he was going to give you the two, one or and two then, games. He's just not two, three at the most. These other guys, Julio, Dez, OD, ODB, Jordy Thomas. Jordy's the number one in that, in that piece by him. That yeah, weekly right. piece, he's the number one guy. The eight, what, eight weeks or something? In the top Nine ten. weeks or in the eight, top eight, ten or top, top twelve. Five or yeah, whatever it is. So, yeah. And again, I would like to watch a lot of preseason and see what's going on with that team. Is Eifert going to help uh, AJ? Possibly. Is There's a lot of great stuff happening there. But I do think if you're just all in on him in the second round, I think I think he might be sliding down even a little bit and you might be able to get him early in the third round. Maybe. I'll throw a caveat AJ? out no there. Way. No chance. I'll, no, no, no chance. wait. I'll, I'll throw a caveat out there. Terrible second round. He's pick. always been a guy. <laughs> it's four years that he's been in the league. Yep. I've never owned up on any one of my of my fantasy teams. So that's basically saying if my seven teams per year over the last four years in twenty eight leagues, twenty eight teams, I've not had AJ Green. Not that I haven't wanted him. It's like a lot of times it's like where I've wanted him to slide back when I've had an early pick in the first round in my in my twelve team league, and he gets snagged always in that second round coming back. That's it seems to be where he always goes. Where's the earliest you grab him? I mean, if you would you take him at the fourteenth at the Take him at the end of the 12th pick, end of the first round? No. no 13th no, no, no. pick, beginning of the second round? No, but dead dead in the center of the second round, I don't feel as strongly about anybody else. And that's where he's going. Him and Jory are going right there this night, every time. Guys I like. I'm going to throw out a couple names, and one I'll, I'll talk about both a, a little bit, but I'd love to hear what you guys have to say as well. Sam Bradford. He has jumped up to number 10. Do you guys talk about him? Or no, 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 no. So I'm wrong he with loves, that? He loves your love oh. for Stafford. Okay. My, my, my thing I was mean, is uh, that Bradford. I, uh, Bradford. I called you out on the, on the uh, Pyro Podcast Lite uh, because you drafted Stafford on your team there on... Uh, the, the, you, Stafford yeah. or Bradford? Bradford. Sam Bradford. Bradford. Yeah. Is that who we were talking about? Bradford, yeah. yeah. And I you drafted, drafted him as my as only QB. As your only QB. And we had a conversation on our previous podcast, Pyro Podcast. I said... So if, if you had to decide, would you want to have Sam Bradford as your number one starting quarterback, and you said no, and then you had drafted as your starting quarterback. It's just what happened. You know, no, I, you're right. I, I, I wouldn't normally want him as my number one without, with at least without something there competing with him. Um, but that's the way that draft went. 
Shit happens. <laughs> I'm well aware. I love it. That's how we mock, baby. That's how we roll. You know, it's a, but the guy cheers. is jumping cheers, up my boards. Man. Cheers, cheers. It, it, the guy is, uh, it's, it's looking more and more like he's healthy. And I've always loved his talent. You guys, I've said it for years now. I think he's one of the most, if not the most talented, quarterback, skills-wise, in the entire league. And I will say that until, until the death. It's just a matter of him being healthy. And it's, look, it's looking more and more like he's getting to be healthy. You throw him in this Chip Kelly scheme. If he really does stay healthy for 16 games, easy, not even close, easy top five, not even close. He'll be a top five QB, if not top three this year, without a doubt. I, I get that. I mean, I, I truly do. It looks like the clock is about to strike midnight on this Cinderella story, turning average Joes into the proverbial pumpkin. I sure do like pumpkins, Cotton. I love them too. <laughs> just hear that they're. He uh, might sorry. be a pumpkin. I just, I, I just, I can't do it as a starter for me. I, that, that's my only contention. I want him as my backup. Okay, it, it, it's just I saw everybody clamoring for Nick Foles when he was starting to pull his shit off, you know. And, well, look at and all of a sudden people were clamoring for uh, Sanchez, you know. Mo had the stat on on, uh, on Pyro Podcast. Like, I think with if you look at with between Nick Foles and like Mark Sanchez and and. All the different guys that were starting last year for them, they still had, I want to say it was eight weeks that their quarterback finished top five or it was top ten for sure. Yeah. So that tells you if, what, you, Bradford, put in, if you can put Bradford in there, what he can do. Exactly. I, so I and that's my point. I understand that. And Bradford's a bad fit. Bad fit. Bradford has <laughs> never played behind yeah, such. Rancher. <laughs> I don't even have one. Ricky. Right now. All right, all right. I'm trying to talk here. He's never played behind an offensive line nearly as good as this one. Mm-hmm. His weapons have been nowhere. Ne- okay, Nelson Aguilar is already better than anybody he's ever had with. Looks fantastic uh, in the pre. Jordan, Jordan Matthews is better than anybody he's ever had on the outside. Hell, Riley Cooper might be better than the guy he's had on the outside uh, in his time in St. Louis. Then you know Zach Ertz is a better tight end than Jared Cook. You know, every position. Sellis a better blocker. Sellis a better blocker. The running backs are all better than what any Kelly's ever had. Better offense than Jeff Fisher. But the uh, thing yeah. is, yeah, okay. I mean, yeah. No, no, Pat Shermer good. was his offensive coordinator. Yes, he was the yeah. same offensive coordinator yeah, as his rookie year. Fisher, so, you know, there's just so much to like. But there's everybody looking over the entire Chip Kelly scheme. Um, and over the entire two years he's been there, three years he's been there, looking at all the uh, quarterbacks that have played under it. But his numbers at, at like 19.6 fantasy points a game for the QBs are a little bit skewed because Vic had you know that really good five-game stretch uh, that included like 250 rushing yards. Yeah. And Bradford's not going to have any of that. But passing game only, I think he's at like 17.6 fantasy points a game. So... It's still good. Good things to come. Extremely from Sam solid. Bradford. Absolutely. Should he be healthy? I take him as a starter. Oh my god! And he's so much more talented than anything they've had. I mean, the Vicks running aside, he's heads and shoulders above any of those other QBs that have been there running this system. And the fact that he already has it down, it seems like from what I've heard, it seems like he's really in the flow of it, and he's got uh, a good rapport with the receivers already. Oh man! I, I mean, I. It's, it's Sounds like you're drooling from I am drooling Things right? other than a Jolly Rancher <laughs> <laughs> Nice Well done Alright Quick guy I'm going to do I'm not going to talk about him too much But I just the situation Romo's new guy I think that's going to be the 
the, the mini rocket of witness uh, from yesteryear is going to be Cole Beasley. I like in a PPR league, I like what this guy's going to be able to do with the catches. Um, he's going super late. And I just think that there's something about this season with Romo getting a little bit older and wanting to kind of be around for the next three, four years of his big-ass contract. I think he's going to be dumping a lot to Witten and a lot to Cole Beasley and a lot of uh, you know screens and, and whatnot to Dez as well. I don't want to... No, don't want to turn down your deadness. I'm, I'm, I'm you. I'm, I'm with you on Cole Beasley. I'm just worried he had to leave practice uh, last couple days with the Achilles. Um, that's always concerning. So, so as long as he's able to come back, because he is slotted into that slot role, um, and I just picked him up in, a, in my in my 16 team league uh, through a veteran free agency draft, and it's like, which is a PPR league, and again. I'm with you. I see what amazing value he could have because he could be a guy that could end up the season with 80, 85 catches for, not going to be for, for major, major yardage, but maybe it's going to be for 850, 900 yards and, and, and four or five touchdowns. You've seen how an Edelman last year, uh, Welker for the previous four or five years, that there are certain guys that have certain skill sets, and Beasley is in this range, that are essentially, and I'm, I'm not even using my own words here, uncoverable in certain situations. It's uncoverable. The guy, guy goes out four yards and he goes, does a little hitch and either goes left or right. It's uncoverable. Yeah. Zip it in there. It's what the uh, Landry was doing last year. That great PPR. Not great. None. I, I feel the same way about Cole, but Cole is going super late and that freaking guy is going to have games where he gets you 12, to- 12 catches. He's going to have some 12. The, the he, fact he's is... He's going to have a crazy hand... Few games of big catches, and it's probably going to be like fifty-five yards. Yeah, right, right. Edelman esque, but the, the fact is, is that you know they're they're not going to have the running game that they had last year. So this they're is the running game, to, exactly. They're going to have to use them more, and I think that bodes well for them. I mean, is is he going to be a, a starter on on your fantasy team? Not likely, unless it's a PPR league. But you know, you never know with a guy if like you're this. in a fourteen. Fourteen or sixteen team league though, this is a guy that you've got to be targeting. Period. You know Absolutely. because this is a guy that then does play on your team, and and, and, and the value that you get him super late in the right. draft. If something does happen to Des, if something does happen to a guy you're already not high on, you know what though? What I, I don't know how much that really helps him because it's, he's not going to be a guy that you're going to put on the outside. Of course, but so you don't have Des. No, but you're right. You're going to you're going to take use, the easiest easiest. I, I think he benefits more with those guys out there because. What's going to happen is, is, you know, again, and I'm the one that's predicting with the, talking about the love, so I'll flip it to the other side here, Terrence Williams, who I'm, yeah. I'm projecting to have that, that bigger breakout season. He's already proven that he's a guy that can catch touchdowns. Yeah. Part of the reason that you can always catch touchdowns is because you have Dez on the other side, so he's getting all the, the double coverage. So you're getting more optimal, uh, optimal chances. And even though Cole Beasley is going to see more of an uptick as far as his receptions and, and, and doing what he's going to be doing in the middle of the offense – I don't think that that affects Terrence Williams that much because he's still going to be the guy who's that better. Uh, and him and Romo just have a good rapport as far as knowing where the guy needs the ball thrown to put it so that he can make those those touchdown catches. And he has, because Terrence Williams had those games, you know, four catches for 44 yards and two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I see those games turning into six catches for 65 yards and the two touchdowns or, you know, I just see little improvements. Not not that he's going to set the world on fire, but the fact that he also has the ability to catch the ball and take it to, to the to the house 
makes him very intriguing. What do you got, stag party? The thing is, I do think it affects Terrence Williams. Because when Cole Beasley stepped up towards the end of the season, he was the more targeted receiver. Yeah. He was the better receiver receiver down the last six games of the season when they needed you know that extra presence uh, away from Dez. And besides just the touchdown, but Terrence Williams is a one-trick pony. I mean, at this point, he's a he's a situational deep threat like all those other guys we talked about earlier. Well, here's my defense to that. Cole Beasley just finally like showed all the, those those quick hitches and everything last year. There are going to be adjustments made to him. One of the major adjustments that he's going to learn how to, how to deal with is that they're going to line up a safety on him at the line of scrimmage, and that safety's going to chuck him. So is he going to be able to make the quick hitch move and, get, and beat him, his, or is he going to get taken out of the play a lot because that's what they're going to do? They're going to physical him up. I mean, I'm, he's a freak. I like him. He's but, a, I, know, I know, and I'm not saying you're not. I'm you're not entirely him, sure he, that's true. But right. they can't throw a safety on Cole Beasley when you have Des Bryant and Terrence right. Williams. So on you're a nickelback. So you're a strong nickelback. You're going to move your nickelback up. So it'll be the nickelback. But whatever it's going to be, it's not going to be a nickelback playing off of him. He's a guy that you're going to. He's going to end up seeing consistent by week five. He will be seeing the coverage be press sure. coverage all the way. Sure. Quick guy, I'll put out there. Not not that I'm necessarily obviously he moves up for me, but. Eddie Royal, what are your quick shot feelings, Chicago guy, with White going down? How into Eddie are each of you guys? I'll give you a, give you a five second response. He gets an uptick in, in in production because there's no one else to throw the ball to, and Alshon's not going to break away from people. I'll give you another five seconds. I, I think it's entirely possible if Kevin White doesn't come back this year, Eddie Royal leads the team in catches. And yards? I, I agree with that. No, no not different yards. question. <laughs> that's, that's, that's well, different. he's had 92 under Cutler before, yeah. so there's a chance. Do you remember last year when he was with San Diego? There was the one drive, biggest game of their season, that knocked him out of the playoffs. Rivers went to Eddie Roy, I think, three or four downs in a row. Uh, he dropped two of them. He literally dropped two of them. Yeah, but he almost made the catch on one of them, but I, I, I forget what the call is. This guy is going to, I agree. Probably lead the team in catches. Move him up. Move him up. No, I mean, who had more fancy points last year? Eddie Royal, Eddie, uh, Andre Johnson, Keenan Allen, Ruben Randall, Vincent Jackson, Terrence Williams, Victor Ed, Cruz, Eddie Royal. Eddie Royal. Eddie Royal. Ed, then more all than all of them. How many touchdowns, though? Uh, seven. Yeah, I don't know if he gets that many That's, in Chicago. I'm not so sure about that. Not so sure about that. Eddie Royale. No, is this, is this the year? What kind of does what you don't expect? What, what did he get with Cutler's rookie year? I understand it was his rookie year, but it was also Adam Gase and Jake. Five. So, so I think he's going to get five. <laughs> is this the year, though, that we see the slot receivers? Will we see like five different slot receivers get ten or more touchdowns? What? You're talking about all, all this stuff. We're talking about all these guys. These, these no. The game's guys. changed. No. I know the game's has. changed. We're talking about tight ends getting ten touchdowns. Well, T.Y. Hilton is considered basically a, a slot, so sure. he's a guy that I think is going to get ten plus touchdowns. Yep. Sure. So there's one. Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cobb. Jordan Matthews is running in the slot. Is he going to get ten plus touchdowns? Yep. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> there's Cooks, another one. Brandon uh, Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb. So I just we, don't know if Cooks is getting ten touchdowns. So now we're only one away from Cooks from getting the end ten touchdowns. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what do you consider Antonio Brown or Odell Beckham? I don't know. ODB is an outside receiver. No, because it's, it's, isn't it? Uh, isn't it Victor Cruz is playing in the slot there? Yeah. 
So Victor yeah, Cruz, that's true. Victor Cruz, Cruz has proven that he could be a touchdown guy. Maybe he could do it. So I'm just saying, you're seeing a lot more potential. And so this also goes back to what we were talking about at the, at the top when you were talking about draft strategies and different things. And I was mentioning how we said how much depth there is at the wide receiver position. Well, now look, when you're talking about some of these guys that we're talking about that are drifting, where if you're able to get 10-plus touchdowns out of all those five guys, right, well, then some, a bunch of these guys are like the Randall Cobbs, Jordan Matthews for us, and, and inside the top, in between 10 and 15 ranks, right? But then you've got a guy like Victor Cruz, Who's falling down? Maybe he's moving up. Maybe he's in the in the, in the mid twenties or wherever he is amongst the wide receivers. So there's just more opportunities. And then you also have a sneaky guy uh, that I have, you know, for could be for seven or whatever touchdowns, but a late ADP, John Brown. Sure, sure. I got another one that I'm going to throw at you. This is a guy that I love. Do you have something to say real quick to, to add to that? No. Okay. Um, this is a guy that I love, and I've mentioned him uh, on a couple of podcasts now, and I'm going to keep mentioning him because I think that his potential, especially with a new quarterback, a uh, slightly new system, with a terrible running game, and the games that they're just going to be playing from behind in, Kendall Wright. Marcus Mariota is the deal. He is the real deal. He is a really good quarterback in the making. Fumbling, good at throwing an interception on his first two possessions. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah, your guy is so much better though. I know. Well, I'm just saying he did come back and and, uh, and 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 play a little bit better, but that's a real tough start. Yeah, well, okay. I'm not even going to talk about your guy. We've talked about how bad your guy is so many times. I can't even shit him out anymore. I don't know how you can make this out to be. Marcus Mariota is the most amazing thing since sliced bread when his first two possessions was an interception and a fumble. And Jameis Winston, <laughs> I mean, I'm hasn't, about hasn't thrown James five Winston. passes yet without an I'm interception. Talking, I'm talking in a microscope. We're looking at Marcus Mariota. Those are the first two possessions of his pro career. Two turnovers. All okay. right, guys. I like it. I like Kendall it. Wright. I, I like his potential. He's a, he is still considered a slot receiver, and I know he doesn't get touchdowns, but he is going to get a ton of catches this year. He is the one guy in that team. Go ahead. What do you got, Stags? <laughs> He's reeling it in. Uh, I just wanted to say that the interception was uh, Bishop Sankey's fault, and the fumble was the offensive line's fault. Thank yeah, you very much. He has a bad running back and a bad offensive line. So how do you get these are problems that he's going to have to deal with all season long? Listen, I know we have our differences. Look, White, I know that we've had our differences in the past. Differences? Is that what you call sleeping with three of my female trainers? It was one night. Or how about that stripper grab you sent me through the Global Gym one year anniversary? Stripper was meant to be congratulatory. He was also a man. <laughs> Yeah, I, I have sent you a male stripper grip. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a done deal. Uh, that is a done deal for your birthday. God. <laughs> yeah, Bishop Sankey basically ran the worst screen route I have ever seen in the history of the world, and then the line just failed him on the, the fumble. Yeah. But, yeah, Kendall Wright. I, I got the same. I moved him up, at, like, right near 30. I think he's going to catch another 90 passes like he did two years ago. Great. Uh, you know, right around a thousand yards, and if he can maintain any semblance of that touchdown prowess he had last season, he's gonna exceed his draft value. And you're getting him right now, what, like wide receiver forty-five, wide receiver forty-three. I'll tell you. I'll tell you one thing. As I've said in other podcasts, dogs in another room, and I take it back. Oh, Doug! It sounds there's pans hitting the wall. I have a feeling. It's just a little bit of a feeling. Kendall Wright might be that pick this year. I'm snaking him from me, buddy. I'm snaking <laughs> 51. myself. Uh, He's going behind Percy Harvin. Uh, 
That's crazy. What? <laughs> I'll, I'll what? say, what I gotta say to that is, There's no reason we need to be shackled by the strictures of the employee-employer relationship. Unless, of course, you're into that sort of thing. <laughs> in which case, I got some shackles in the back. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But seriously, I've got it. <laughs> the, the guys that were sour on I'm not giving myself camera. the best ones anymore, just so you know. No, it took, took us long enough. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, what else? Uh, let's do, we're not going to do, actually, we're going to move Sleepers and Bus to our next podcast next week. So we're going to do Sleepers and Bus. We'll do a full show on that one. I think that'll be good, right? Agreed. Fully agree. I think that is a full show. To be well, so we're gonna do oh. our first one. We did. We did sleeper and bus. Back the last one we did was back in May. We did both those. I think usually basically our first piece. Why are you flexing your your chest over there? But our first. That's <laughs> card. Our first. This is like you just did a left, left, right, left, left. Uh, but that's usually <laughs> like our first. That's usually like our first podcast after the Super Bowl. We always try and outdo ourselves to do our sleepers and bus literally like the first week of the offseason. It's true. Because yeah. we like being ridiculous. I was just breathing. <laughs> you saw, you know what I saw. You know what I saw. Right? You were just breathing? You know what I saw. There was awesome. something happening. I'm going to throw this out here just because we haven't mentioned it yet. The music, the music for it today is uh, Stevie Wonder. So, amazing Stevie. Uh, for those of you who didn't realize how funky and crazy Stevie Wonder really was, uh, amazing. So the, the opening song was All Day Sucker. I recommend, highly recommend, because both of the songs that I'm playing tonight are from the 1976 album, Songs in the Key of Life, maybe one of the greatest albums ever ever created. It is phenomenal, and I will be ending with Sir Duke. Nice. Love it. Uh, the sound bits? Uh, dodgeball. You better believe it. Dodgeball. I'm drinking, as far as beer-wise goes, a Magic Hat Brewing Company. Uh, Electric Peel. It's a grapefruit IPA. The first one I had, I didn't love it. I think it was the wrong moment. I've been really enjoying it during this show. Uh, it's got a... I like my fruity IPAs. Uh, Stags, we know you're... I had, a, I had a sour wild strawberry. <laughs> Jolly Rancher. <laughs> dog you, you are the Jolly Rancher, and I am the Silver Bullet. Silver Bullet? What do you got going on? Refreshment. I've got protein paste, carb laxative. Oh, suffocated kumquat, perhaps. No, thank you. I'm actually trying to cut down on those. Oh. But they're good. They are good. They are good, but not as good as a Great Lakes Edmund Fitzgerald Porter, which I am drinking tonight. Nice. Let me do a quick, uh, I'm going to merge a bunch of pyro promos into a real short bit. It's going to be like that very fast uh, commercial at the end. Go to iTunes, give us a review. Come on, do it, do it. We actually had a lot of people uh, hooking us up this week. Do Five it, stars, do give us a nice review. Let's go. You can do it there on iTunes. You can go to Spreaker. You can go to Stitcher. If you're on Android and you're outside of the uh, Apple sphere, we still love you. Listen to the podcast on Stitcher and Spreaker. Uh, we got Pyro Pro. It went live two days ago. We're not really promoting because we're really trying to get a few of the bugs out, but go buy it now. There are a couple issues. If you can, we're fixing through these things, but if you're going to buy Pyro Pro, make sure you have, you're logged into your Pyromaniac account. Log in, create an account there, then go sign up for Pyro Pro. We're going to fix it. 
If you want to wait, that's fine. There's a couple little bugs that are happening. We're filling out the features, filling out the content in there. If you bought early, trust me, in 10 days, this whole experience is going to be a lot different than it is today. And from the people that have been buying it, thank you. Uh, it's been awesome. Pretty much long time in the coming. Pyro Pro, we're going to be enhancing it over the coming uh Every day it's getting enhanced more and more. But basically on that, we're going to be personalizing your mind share for the Fantasy Football Championship. And it's really dope. Second opinions are available there. Dashboard brings in all the player rankings, brings in news feeds about your players. You can put up to 30 players into your system. We're going to have, we have the resource toolbox there, which is unbelievable charts and data. We're adding things like BeatWriter, an endless directory in there, offensive line pieces, Fantasy football outlooks. There's all sorts of great charts and stuff that you can't get anywhere anywhere else, and we're not allowing it to be free anymore. So check out Pyro Pro. We're gonna do a Pyro Pro League on top of that. Uh, that we're gonna invite Pyro Pro members, some of which have already submitted their you know videos or creative entity or their write up to us to say, hey, this is the reason why I should be in the Pyro League. There's gonna be that piece is coming out in two days. So check that out. It's going to be a regular league that literally is a pyro, our pyros with us against their competition, uh, firing it up. So that'll be good. Last thing I'll say, awesomeness all over the board on Pyro Light. Houdini, you did a good job on that show. We got Mo doing interviews, most uh, with people in the industry that are great. A couple mailbag questions. Sometime this week, the we're going to record for Pyro Pro another video cast. That will be the first one we've ever only put behind the paywall. So exciting all over. Draft Kit version 5 is coming out on Thursday. Staggs is working his buns off on that. He actually wasn't going to be on the show just so he could get it done. And I just thought it was more important. We all did to have you on the show. But Thursday, Draft Kit version 5 will be out. And then we'll have one more version uh, in the first day or two of September. But Draft Kit version 5. Let's be honest, it's the best one yet, it's up to date, and uh, use it or lose it. Alright guys, let's go. Here at Globo Gym, we understand that ugliness and fatness are genetic disorders, much like baldness or necrophilia. And it's only your fault if you don't hate yourself enough to do something about it. And that's where we come in. Other than necrophilia, I felt like that was really pointed towards me. <laughs> <laughs> Fat, bald, out of shape, loser, and like necrophilia. I'm like, no. <laughs> That's weird. It's necrophilia is the only thing pointed I, to me. I actually, yeah, uh, I actually dead horse girls all the time, but I let them know. I've dated them. I'm like, when you come home, when I come home from bars tonight, honey. Girlfriend. It's not when you come home. It's when you show up at their door. No, when I come home from the bar, when you're. What are you doing here? How do you, uh, know where I live? It's called the Freedom of Information Act, Kate. The hippies finally got something right. <laughs> Just kidding. But not really. <laughs> Busted, buddy. Busted. I'm not talking. <laughs> you might want to just No, the truth it. is, girls love getting dead horse if you're dating them. You go out, they're asleep. They're basically, like, when I come home, we're having sex. I don't care if you're awake or not. <laughs> uh... Winner, nice winner, transition. I don't know how to transition out of that. There's no transition. <laughs> every girlfriend I've had loves that. Not one. Not maybe half. Well, at least that wasn't weird. 
It's all. I'm sick of I'm sick of us making it look like guys are the only creeps out there. These girls are crazy these days. They love this shit. We've had enough. If you're a girl and you're listening right now, you're like, he's so right. Next year, boyfriend who got you into the show, like, totally lying. This guy, I mean, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Date. What? Date. I said we should date sometime. You know, socially. Go out and kick it. Are you okay? Mm. I'm fine. I just uh, threw up in my mouth a little bit. Yep. I'm a keeper. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's go into... We're going to segment this last part of the show and go into some goodness here. We're going to do who will be the best pick of the draft at season's end. We'll each pick one guy. And then at the same time, we'll each pick... Who do you think will be the worst pick at the end of the draft? Hopefully it will be some different guys than we've already talked about, but if not, so be it. Um, Anyone want to start with who they think, ADP-wise, and this year, round-wise, and when you're going, you're sitting there and looking like, that is our return on my investment, going to be the best one that you could ever have. Dogmatico, what are you thinking? All right. Um, Hate to say it because I always overdo it a little bit. I'm going to give two at each. Okay, that's good. All right. Um, Sam Bradford, I think, will be a pick of the draft. <laughs> Plain and simple. I know you guys are uh, just <laughs> laughing all, all the way to the bank with that one, but uh, uh, that, that's pretty much what I got to go with. I, I think that he is going to be an absolute phenom with this, with this group that he's got there and especially that style. I mean, I got to agree with you because the pick of the draft for me – it's Nelson Aguilar. Uh, I think he's going to be the outside receiver who puts up you know, top 20-ish numbers. And you're getting him at a much later price. And who has the potential to do even more? My guy, Charles Johnson. Being drafted uh, as the 40th wide receiver right now, I think this guy is going to absolutely outperform Mike Wallace, take over that role. He'll be the leading receiver for the Minnesota Vikings. I like that. I, I definitely. I was like that. I was flipping flopping between them both. So. Okay, I mean I mentioned him earlier today, uh, early on this podcast. I think that Steve Smith is going to be an incredible pick for people this year. I think that he is going to be going as a wide receiver four or five to most people, and I think that he's going to end up being a lot better than what people think. I'll give you another one. I mean, and, and it's amazing too because I got to throw my other guy in there, Devonta Adams, number one, because. I, I, his value is just going to be well worth it. And another guy who's only ranked currently, I want to say it's uh, two spots higher than him in ADP as the 46th receiver. I am big on John Brown this year with a healthy Carson Palmer. I'm sure. telling you, when you're talking about burners and guys with the long yards per catch and, and ways that they try to get him the ball and on reverses and stuff, I love it. What do you got, Stags? So we talk about going wide receiver, wide receiver. Well, we just talked about all these late wide receivers that we love. Uh, is there you know, a receiving core made up of maybe a, uh, let's call it Odell Beckham, Nelson Aguilar, Charles Johnson, Steve Smith, John Brown? Oh, you yeah, can, well, you, can, you can get all those guys. But you're, you can but do you're, spending, you're spending a first-round pick on Odell Beckham. Okay, so. second. First He's or second, going in the first round. Sure. Most, whatever, yeah. whatever it is, right there. Okay. Yeah, end of the first round, we'll call it that. Yeah, he's whatever. going to be one point six. Whatever. 
And then, you know, you're getting Aggie in, what, six? Then you take Charles Johnson, seven. You probably take Steve Smith, eight. And John Brown, nine. Yeah. Well, see, here's my, here's my philosophy, though. Is I, I want those top wide receivers. And then what I'm doing is I'm just stacking those running backs in those middle rounds. And so I'm going to find those anyway. And then when I'm looking for my wide receivers, five and six, that's where it's coming into John Brown and, and Kendall Wrights and, and – uh, um, Charles Johnson, they're all in that range. So I, th- I think you could find that you can you can get value with the running backs in the three through five rounds. That's what I'm saying. Not and so much the seven through. Yeah, yeah not, not so much later on. And then that's when you grab your wide receivers is six through ten, six through eleven. But, but you're you're going to get great value out of the guys we true. just mentioned. Are you saying though? Because you said rounds three through five, like those those three rounds to grab running backs. Are you yep. saying wide receiver, wide receiver? Stack up on three running backs then, and then you can even go four running backs because you can wait later to grab those other wide receivers, and you have such depth at the top of it to protect I'll them. tell you, that's why I love being at the later part of the draft this year, is because you could still get a stud running back and a stud wide receiver to start off your team. Mm-hmm. And then you could build a couple of running backs if you need be, or if you happen to get a great wide receiver to fall to you when it comes back, you get another RB wide receiver combo, then maybe take even a third running back if there's value there. Then all those wide receivers, there's so much value in between rounds 5, 6, through 10, to get those wide receivers, it's just it's staggering. Here's where I, here's where I'm with you on that because I'm I'm a guy who really wants to be in the middle of the draft, right? And if I'm in the middle of the draft, I really feel like I'm going to go wide receiver, wide receiver. But if I am toward the back end of the draft, there is absolutely without a doubt I'm going to go a wide receiver and a running back. And then I'm going to come Jeremy Hill, Des Bryant to start oh, your, to start your it, team. It would be amazing if I get Des Bryant to fall that far. But even if it's uh, Demarius Thomas. And Jeremy Hill. I'm happy with that. And then when it comes back around, I'm grabbing two more wide receivers. And then I'm spending the next two picks on running backs and then probably another running back and then maybe another wide receiver. But I may go or go for the next four picks running backs. Whatever the case may be, I like the balance of going running back wide receiver at the 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 uh, yeah. Part of the draft, or maybe nine, ten, eleven, twelve. If it's a twelve team, five, yeah, yeah. I mean, eight, I'm going wide receiver. I'll tell you right now, doing that, you're not going to get um, your Mike Evans. You're not no, going to get Randall Cobb. You're not going to get Ty. You're not going to get Elshon. You're well, not going to get Jordan Matthews. Jordan Matthews. You're not going to get Brandon Cooks. No, but I'll get a Martavis Bryant. I'm going to get. Uh, you could get a Martavis yeah, Bryant. Right. But what's the difference between getting Martavis Bryant and maybe the fourth, and Nelson Aguilar in the sixth? I'd rather have Aguilar in the sixth. Yeah, I like Martavis. I love Martavis. Don't get me wrong. Depends I love Martavis. Depends on the league, though, too. But, but yes, no, I understand that. So it's it's positional. The other part is, is that when you're picking later in the draft, you have the advantage of seeing how everyone's drafted and unfolded in front of you. So you can kind of strategize better about saying, you know what? They've all gone running backs right now. So you know what? I'm going wide receiver, wide receiver, because they're all going to go wide receivers next, and I'll still get one of those running backs that will fall because – Eight teams went running back in front of me. But I feel the same way about when you get, you're in the one slot. Yeah. You get to really, when you're on those corners, um, you really get to depict, or hopefully you want to. You're, you're going with what you need and what you feel, but you can really start those runs each each round where you're saying, if you go two wide receivers, like you say, people are like, oh, God, the wide receivers are going. i got to jump in because everyone's got their value percentage on or, uh, for different wide receivers. So, I like that. A guy that I'm going to say is um, uh, best pick at, at, at the draft season end. First one I'm going to do, 
And it's, I want to hear what you want to say because on the last uh, mock pod, you, you had some thoughts. But Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan going in the sixth or seventh round to me is uh, it's pretty much perfect. It's still, you can wait and go and get a Romo four rounds later. You can get a lot of players. You got to go probably two or three rounds higher to get a uh, Ben Roethlisberger. But there's something about that sixth or seventh round. For Matt Ryan, in a foreshadowing thing, thinking of what he's going to be able to do this year with all the talents and the healthy uh, Julio. And the I strength just, of schedule. And the strength of schedule, which, yeah, absolutely. He's the third easiest schedule. Um, I really like where Ryan's going. I think his value in that ROI piece that we do on drafting, I feel like Matt Ryan is going to be in the green big time. Every, every quarterback is, but... <laughs> No, I think Ryan especially. I think you're right on that. Uh, I mean, do I think... I mean, I, I would love to grab him in the, in the seventh. Sixth, I still I still want a position player. Um, I, I agree. I think I got him in the seventh, and I was going to take him, and I actually took him that mock. Olsen, which I was fired up, and he still came back. So, you're right. It's seven. It's seven. It's but seven you know five. what, though? With everybody that's out there, that's all the pundits talking with everything like us... Everyone's saying you can wait on quarterbacks. So I, I really kind of have a feeling, because if, if you turn on NFL Network and you listen to the, the Fabianos of the world, or you turn on ESPN and you listen to their guys, they're all saying the same thing. Wait on a quarterback, wait on a quarterback. So I have a feeling that the masses are all going to be waiting on quarterbacks. So like we saw happen in all these expert drafts, because all the experts are doing the exact same yeah. things, where we're getting Martellus Bennett in the 10th round on the tight ends. And, and you saw Matt Ryan, I don't Farther think, in the that. Scotch Fishbowl, I don't think he went until about like round 9 or something in there. Yeah. No, he went higher because it was, was it a, higher? It was a 2QB league. Yes, that's oh, true. Okay, okay. But otherwise, in, in other expert leagues that I've been seeing, it's he's not going until round 8. So even beyond your round 7. So And if he is going around 5 or 6 and someone's taking him there... There's still going to be another guy of value that's fallen to you, whether it be a Cam Newton, whether it be, you know... Your uh, pick after... I took Ryan before in that league. Jim, probably Drew Brees and Cam Newton. And, right. yeah. and the guy you took, uh, Wilson. Oh, you took... But no, I took him before uh, Russell Wilson as well. I don't have a problem with that because I don't really like Russell Wilson this year. Okay. But the I'll thing is, I think... Matt Ryan, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get right outside of the top five production. You're going to get, you know, 6 through 10 type production. And you're going to get it pretty consistently every week. He's not going to have the huge blow-up games for you, but he might have a couple. You're going to get, like, 250 yards and, you know, two touchdown passes a game. He's going to end up with 4,500 yards and 30 touchdowns. I don't. I think he's only had one 30-touchdown season in his career. He'll also have a couple of longies uh, to Julio, yeah. which if that helps your in your league's uh, scoring the, system. The issue for him is that you're getting diminishing returns on Roddy White, and now you don't have that other piece that was just part of that offense for forever in Harry Douglas. I, I don't think you need it. Uh, Shanahan's so. offense is built around one receiver. Well, it's one receiver. Agreed. Right, right. No, no, and that's I, pretty I, much it. <laughs> I know, but the other problem is that I'm saying you just don't. You have an aging Roddy White. You have an unproven what could be a rookie who I think is going to take the role in Justin Hardy. I think it's going to be Leonard Hankerson. Not, Hankerson's yeah. who that no, like that's it. who they were saying all through the preseason stuff. And then when you see what's going on and how the offensive scheme works, I think they brought Hankerson over because he knows the offense and they can help. 
train and, and, and give the rookie the idea of how to, how to be better. Maybe. I think so, Hankerson's the, the deep threat, though. So they, they're just going to be using him as the guy. Send it, open it up fact a little is, bit. All their running backs are pass-catching right but no, and that's I mean, t- They're not right. like built for in between the They're tackles. not built to run the ball at all, yeah. really. <laughs> so Everyone's hurt, yeah. so, but he just doesn't have the full complement of receivers like he did when it was... Roddy White at the top of his game, and oh my God, who's this ridiculous Julio Jones? Here's the thing. I will cry. I will literally cry if I'm at a draft and, and I'm left. At, listen, I love them both, but I will cry if I'm left with either Eli Manning or Tony Romo as my quarterback. I, I, will, I will cry. I need one of those top eight guys. I really do. I cannot go in with Eli Manning as my starting quarterback. I know he's got potential, and I know he's got... Uh, some big games in him, but I will not like that. And I will not like Tony Romo as it either. He, he has the same potential, but he also has the potential to just flop and just uh, get injured and just to get, be decrepit and uh, everything blow up on him. Those two guys I'm worried about. Everybody else I'm solid with. All those other guys I'm co- totally solid with, even Russell Wilson. I will cry if it's Eli Manning or Tony Romo as my starting quarterback. That would suck. I want to kind of bring this back to the first thing that we talked about, about draft day approaches. When I was talking about how I'm tearing, I want to get this guy, depending on where I'm at. What you just said was the other part of it. I don't know if I, if I mentioned it. It's locking in, where's the last four quarterbacks that I want? And I'm not going to allow myself to be held without at least getting one of these last four. So that the draft day strategy becomes, I'm depending on where I'm drafting because I don't know where it's going to be. I want to load up on wide receivers and running backs. But when those runs start happening, and if it's going to get to that point where it's 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 bleeding out, I know that I want to have whether it's Cam Newton, whether it's you know um, Ryan or Ryan or or, or or yeah. Look at my look at whatever. my uh, Wilson uh, Ben Roethlisberger, Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan, yeah. That's where I want to. I want to make sure I get one of those, and I don't want it to get past whatever, wherever that line is. That's where I'm highlighting. That's a different strategy. Saying if I'm waiting on quarterbacks, I'm waiting. But when I'm waiting, I'm making sure that the time I pounce on quarterback is when I'm getting close to the end of these my guys. one caveat with yep. what I just said about the Eli Manning Tony Romo thing is if I could pair him with Bradford. If I could get Bradford with that. It's over, and I love it. Yeah, because Eli Manning's <laughs> early season schedule is juicy. Yeah. But the thing is, yours is like 8. Mine's 20. Like, I'll go all the way to 20, and that could be my start. Well, you're willing to wait until the very end to draft a quarterback. So that's... that's, that's, that's the I usually don't like to wait to the very end, but I like in the you know 8th, ninth, 10th round to grab a borderline top 10 guy. Well, we'll, that's we'll, we'll see hoping. if I'll be able to do that in a real draft this weekend. You know but I think that's where we're all hoping that those guys that we pick as those last four guys should end up. Eighth, ninth round, hopefully. It's, it's, I'm, I'm sick of waiting around for a Val Verde. God, I'm terrible. <laughs> He's ballless now. He doesn't have any ball times. <laughs> get out of there. Did you, did you get your quote on that one? He doesn't have any balls, Cotton. <laughs> 
T-Rex, I got your number, buddy. Here's the thing. Somebody take a picture of that face. That was like that was like a combination of like ogre, Frankenstein, and and the Joker, Jack Nicholson. Don't worry, Frankenstein. We can fix it. With our competitively priced on-site cosmetic surgery, we can turn that Frankenstein you see in the mirror every morning into a Frankenstein. That's too funny. Stag party. You mentioned something here, and that I—I I, I don't know. I've just never really. Th- well, it, it, I don't know if I could be confident going into a season doing it, but I can understand somebody being confident doing it. Streaming. You give yourself Rivers, uh, Palmer, Stafford, Tannehill, Bradford. You, yeah. <laughs> Bradford, I, 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 I think Bradford's going to be rising more and more as as the, the, when it nah, comes up, come nah. down to it. That's your style, really? Okay, and people he are hasn't so afraid. That's fine. Flacco, um, you know, all, all those guys, Kaepernick, whatever. You you pair all of those guys together. I mean, sure. I mean that you bunch them all together into one great quarterback. But you're right. It's D-Rex's problem is picking the right one every week. That's a problem. And I, I have a problem doing that as well. I'm not the greatest at doing that. I know I see the matchups and I see what should happen, but the opposite usually happens for some reason uh, when I'm making the one choice out of four guys. But I see where you're coming from. That's a great team to have. You could spend it all on all the greatest running backs, tight ends, wide receivers, all you want. And when it comes down to it, in the end, you'll have four awesome quarterbacks on your team that you could get in rounds 18 through 22 if you wanted. But you're saying you would you want you're going to be fielding a bunch or are you going to be picking them up and rolling with them. So it depends have, on the size of the bench. Well, I mean, so I think it depends here's on the, the one, size of the league too, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, but if, I mean, you know what I mean. Like you don't no, have like five, seven quarterbacks no, on your team, you. but you know, you what can have it? your choice of the lot. Here's the one thing I think that says about the ownership and this is an approach and a style um, for draft day that's important for us to talk about. I think more importantly that he's not going to be picking it perfectly any better than you are. It's how he's going to react to when he doesn't make the right pick. He's, he's basically just like, eh, didn't do it this week. Dogmatica, if you didn't do it this week and someone went off, you would be buying somebody else a new TV? <laughs> <laughs> so that's what it boils down to. Exactly. Okay. He can live with it, and he can live with that decision. Stag be like, all right, there you go. I'll have another uh, Bud Latte. Albert be like, talk me off the leg. No, I'm jumping. I'm doing it. I know life is great. I know Pyro's going to go somewhere. I don't care. Just just don't have Will Ferrell from the other guys talking you down. I know you can do it. I know you got the gumption to be able to jump. <laughs> oh, look, he's flying. Oh, shit. Oh, break that TV. You can chop so, it in half. Here's try, what, here's, try. Here's what I'm going to say, though, is where you need to also know your league if you're going to do this. Because I'm in a 12-team league, and in, that, in, in my two different 12-team leagues... Almost every single team has two quarterbacks, and there are always two to three stupid effing teams that have three. So when you're thinking about streaming, know that the people in your league are not going to be coveting quarterbacks because people do, and other people know that, oh, they see that you're waiting on all the quarterbacks, so you know what? They're saying, I'm looking at the value of whatever else is out there. Well, screw it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to force you to be a trading partner with me, or I'm going to say, screw you. 
I'm taking this guy off of the off of the board. And the other problem that you have is, are there other guys out there that are thinking the same strategy as you? And if you're in a 12 or 14 team league, I think you get into very dangerous territory when you're doing something like that. I totally understand it in 10 or 18 leagues because there's so much volume of players that are out there and available that you could stream all week long and you could pick between three quarterbacks and we could say I'm happy with any, either one of these that I get. When you get the 12 team leagues and if you get, so if you're figuring it's 24 quarterbacks, but I'm saying what if it's 27 quarterbacks that are already off the board, now what are you choosing? It's magic between? all day. Magic. magic. Last guy I'm going to say, we're not even going to talk about him. Tyler Eifert is a guy I'm super high on. Uh, love that situation. Love how everything's looking for him. I still think his value, it, it's getting worse over the course of the buzz and people being on his jock. But I still think you can get him at a pretty va- good value. Even if he's your tight end one. Uh, it's a little risky. There's going to be a lot of probably dud games in there. But I think there's an explosion factor. Uh, let's throw out if you got a couple more no. guys you love, and if no. not, let's guys go to I hate. Yeah, let's go to work. Guys, I hate. I'm um, throwing out three. You want to say anything about any of them? Go ahead. Jay Cutler, Carlos Hyde, Andre Ellington. Hate them all. I hate, hate them all. all this year. I hate them all too. I'd start Cutler. I know you would. I wouldn't on a I week-to-week mean, basis, but he's only got five weeks because he's going to be fired. <laughs> and they're five. That's fine. And he will average 18 and a half fantasy points like he did at the beginning of last and season. The Bears will lose by 20. Don't every care. Game. Don't care. But he'll don't be fired. Don't care. I know, but he'll be fired. Right, Jay so, Cutler. So don't let's, care. let's talk about, because we're going to end with Sir Duke, so let's talk about the Duke real quick. I only, It depends on where I get Duke Ellington. You know, I don't want to have to pay up for him. If I can get him to be. If he ends up being like where I'm, because I want to be wide receiver heavy too, if I can get him as my running back three for some reason. What round is that? Is that fifth, fifth round? That's sixth fifth round. Fifth round. Yeah, fifth, so sixth round. I will I take him earlier He's going higher. I know, I know. And so, I will never get him. In a round yep. where he's going, it's like, I mean, the, the dream guy, Amir Abdullah, I, I kind of I kind of feel enamored by that more than I do about a guy like Andre Ellington right now. I mean, Absolutely. It just, it's just the fact that when you when you know what the limit, uh, limitations of a guy is, and the limitations that we know about Andre Ellington is that Bruce Arians can say all he wants. This guy can be a workhorse back. He can't. And he's much more effective with, you know, what was it? I think he had in his rookie year, it was on 118 carries. And I think he had about 80-something carries more in his sophomore season. And he only had eight more rushing yards. Yes. I mean, that, that's all you need Says to know. it all. The thing is, he can be a workhorse back. He just can't be efficient at it. Because he had nine games with over 20 touches last season. Yes. Nine games with over 20. He was a guy that averaged like 5.6 yards a carry, I think it was his rookie year, down to mm-hmm. 3.3 or whatever. Yeah. It was. In, so, those, in those games, his yards per touch were so low, it was worthless fantasy-wise. But, but he averaged 12.5 fantasy points a game when he did play. The only thing is he got hurt during playoff time, fantasy playoff time. That's well, why people are so down on him. He yeah. was also hurt at the beginning of the year. He had like the, the foot problems and everything else that was going on. And he, he had a sports hernia, right. same injury as Zach Ertz. So here's another guy that's also plagued by injury. So bear that in mind, too. While we love the Duke, we're down on him this year. Who else do you guys hate? I, I'm going to give a hate guy for me right now. It's it's kind of tough to, to really, really say this. <sighs> I wish I liked that. Say it. Say it. Jeremy Macklin. There you go. I love him as a player. I hate the situation. I just um, I just think he went for the money. I think he could be great two years, three years down the road. If, you're, if your boy Kelsey 
is going to be firing it up this year. I'll tell you right now, Macklin is going to be doing crap on a stick. System, system, system. That's all I got to say. I got a hate guy for you. A guy that, that snuck up on everyone last year and made the major strides, dealing with issues right now in, in, the, in training camp, has a lot of competition around him, was a guy that was unproven, was an underachiever before he got to where he was in, in, in New England, Brandon LaFell. I'm down on you this year. No disagreement. I, I, I don't. I mean, there's, I don't down know, compared to no? what? Like, is well, ADP down is like compared to that? Like wide receiver, thirty-six. I haven't wide receiver, and I haven't wide receiver thirty-eight. But I'm telling you that I have him ranked there because I think that's where he belongs in it. But when you're asking me, will he be drafted by me? One hundred percent zero in every single league I'm in because I just don't trust it. And and. That's it's like it's almost too much value. It's like it's it's the actual value, but I don't think that you'll ever get a more positive return, even at thirty eight or thirty three or whatever, than what you're going to get uh, when you draft. I'm taking Dobson where I can get him and Amendola where I can get him over a LaFowl in your the thirty six, thirty six yeah. uh, area every day, as as you would say, all day for a while. Because LaFowl, he, he, what? Why is he going to be great? The upside. I don't. I think that's terrible. Every time I see LaFell go off the board, I'm like, Ugh. I think okay. he, I think he eventually loses his job. That's what. That, 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 that. Look, he was a guy that didn't distinguish himself with Carolina, which is why he let, let him and everybody else go. Let's and say, he's why been injured love? all offseason. Yeah, yeah. and Everybody's been working with him. And all it takes is that he he had that that splash. And now he's gonna get passed. Uh, last time I checked, the guy who really pops off in the preseason is Aaron Dobson, and that doesn't do jack shit all year. So true. You know, that that's. That's his competition because there's nobody else. Amendola's not his competition. They don't play the same position. Brian Timms, but he's been injured. Situational deep threat again, who's not very good. Uh, LaFell has a clear role. Has you know did it in limited targets with Tom Brady. If Tom Brady comes back, he didn't. He didn't even play really. He played as what a blocker the first two games of the season. Almost had a thousand yards. What, 978 on 120 targets and seven touchdowns? Sure. He is clearly defined within that offense. Catch the ball on the sidelines. Give us 9, 10, 12 yards every play. That's fine. Yeah, he's and, a possession that's receiver. That's all we expect from you. But that's fine. You can draft him around the same range you can get Anquan Bolden. And who do you think's better? I mean, quarterback, right? Quarterback's the Honestly, I'd rather take Bolden. Okay. I'd rather take Bolden. Bolden's going to be peppered this year. He is going to be peppered. He, the thing is, is that Bowling doesn't have another possession receiver on the other side now. Now he's got a, long, a deep threat, which opens things up for Bolden. Bolden's going to be peppered. He might actually be somebody to target if you're looking for a PPR league. And you know that Kaepernick's worked with him quite a bit. So, Who are some other guys that uh, you hate? And just a couple of last ones and we can close this party out. What do you got? You don't hate anybody? Uh, I don't have my ADP list. What type of Jolly Ranchers do you hate? <laughs> The yellow ones. The yellow ones? Yeah. Yeah. I hate it when yellow like, gets all over me. Anytime there's sour candy and it's yellow, that's just, just weird. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you on that. I mean... Lemons are weird. Who, I mean, who, who do you hate? You don't hate... Uh, I don't know. Who do you hate, man? Hate somebody. Hate, we hate, hate some. We so hate peaceful. somebody already. <laughs> I hate Percy Harvin. I hate all the Seattle wide receivers except for Tyler Lockett. Uh, yeah. I'm with you on that. I don't think I would draft any of them ever. Like, 
if whenever I see any Seattle receiver go off the board, I'm like, ah, eh, it's a bad pick. I feel the same way about the Bills, and I love Watson long term. I know he's a talented guy. Just don't think he's in the situation. Doesn't have the quarterback. We talked about it at nauseum. One of them who I kind of love a little bit, and you mentioned him earlier, is that uh, uh, the uh, sorry, I'm back back up for Lacey. James, James Starks. Starks. Excuse me. That is a, it's an that, idea. That, I love as well, as we talked to ad nauseum, I won't even say it for more in a minute, still was bummed in last week's pod where we did the mock, didn't get Niall Davis, wanted to go early on, and was like, he'll still be around, went four picks later. That Niall Davis, that feels real good in that 12-13 round for me, and don't want any injuries, but that situation, if he's getting that, that, that ball, wow. You know who should get that ball? Mr. LaFleur, I can assure you this is a very serious situation. Yeah. No, I, look, this is extremely serious, Mrs. Uh, Beach. It's Ms. I'm going to need to review all of your financial statements and assess any tax liabilities there may be. Uh, absolutely. I don't know how you say Ms. for a Mr. Is it just Mr.? But if there was a Ms. Mr., I'm a, I'm, I'm a Ms. as well. <laughs> <laughs> all right, boys. Awesome stuff. I think we talked about a lot of good players. I think we showed the heart and soul of guys were really high on and guys were not. And I know that you listeners think that's super important. And, uh, man, it's great. I'm, I'm influenced by everything that you guys say. Uh, I wish the the same was reciprocated, but F off. I uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, love you guys. Let's fire it up. Pyros, thanks for rocking it out. Another long podcast with us. And, uh, Shite, we got draft kits coming out, Pyro Pro is out, Dogmatic is dropping batteries, yep. and we're just fired up for the season. A lot of crazy stuff happening. Love all the work that you three fellas are doing. Love all the work that our other Pyro partners are doing. Stick with us. We appreciate you guys being on this journey with us. Amen. This is a very happy song to end out on. Stevie Wonder, Sir Duke. Peace. <laughs>